interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 105 of Not a Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show. As always, I have my amazing co-host joining me today. Rob, introduce yourself. Shazam with three A's. Very colorful, three very A's. flashing. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Josh, yeah, how you doing? From an alternate universe. Yes. <laughs> Not too bad. Hey, everybody out there. Today on the show, we will be covering the latest books from DC, and we hope you enjoy it. Make sure you stick around until the end of this episode to hear our top three books for the week, our biggest stinker, and to find out which titles may just make the dump list. Now, if you'd like to support us further, please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for either a one-time donation or subscription for access to our Discord, as well as other exclusive content available on the network. With that said, let's get into some news. Guys, what's new this week? So Josh, I, I understand you're uh, you're off the SIGs. I don't know why I said SIGs. Yeah, SIGs, smokes, cigarros, whatever it is you're going to call them. I'm, I'm doing my best to, to try and get off of them again. This is my fourth time, I think, in the past six months that I've tried. One of these days it's going to stay. Yeah. Fourth time's the charm, said someone, I'm fourth, sure. Yeah, that's, We're all that's what they say, it. right? Yeah, fourth time's the charm. Fourth thing, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> that is the same. Oh, there we go. Fifth time. Fifth yeah. time. But you got this. You got this, man, I believe. Exactly. Whole well, that's good. Not a robot family's rooting for you. Exactly. Well, that works for me. I'm, I'm good with exactly. that. Speaking of things that we just can't seem to quit, sorry, that was kind of grim. Uh, what's new with comics? <laughs> oh man, there's so much going on because, folks, if you were not paying attention, last weekend was San Diego Comic Con, the mecca of the nerd community. But before we get to that, there was stuff that happened around San Diego Comic-Con that I want to point out. Oh, mercy. First off, Multiversus. That's out. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. And what it's a game. fun. It's so much fun. Brandon, you got to get on this, bud. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. The, the concept hasn't sold me yet, but... <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like Smash Brothers with simplified controls... Yeah, and like actually, like Rob saying, it's it's closer to Brawlhalla, without yeah, it being it, quite so hyper. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very fluid in its jump mechanics. Uh, the the attacks, the attacking is very. It needs some work. It needs some tweaking. And and, and another member of our our community said uh, that that the balancing needs some or needs some work too. So I I, I can I can see where he's coming from with that. Um, but honestly, if you haven't heard of multiverses, if you enjoy uh, platform fighters like Smash, Brawlhalla, etc., and you enjoy characters like Bugs Bunny, Superman, uh, Steven Universe, and maybe even the Iron Freaking Giants, and you know that classic Warner Brothers character LeBron James, then this Jesus is the game for you. Christ. Tell me about it, right? I mean, Arya <laughs> yeah. Stark, awesome. Tasmanian Devil, awesome. Iron Giant, uh, Daphne, Velma. Excuse me, not Daphne yet. Velma. Shaggy. Shaggy, those are awesome. Why in the hell is man? You've been in one movie, 
<laughs> He's LeBron James. How could you not want to be LeBron James? It's it's yeah. my six year old's favorite character now. <laughs> Just I mean, got him yesterday, I think. I think it was yeah. yesterday, and now now my six year old doesn't want to play with anybody but LeBron. So <laughs> yeah, let let people live out their fantasy of being a, a professional basketball player. Why not? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna beat somebody's yeah. ass with a basketball. It makes me worried about him going back to school. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, very, very easy to do that. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, check it out. We're all online. It's a lot of fun. I want to play it every day somehow. And honestly, I I took a look yesterday just because I was curious how many hours I logged. And somehow, I don't know how I found the friggin' time. I've already got over twenty four hours logged on that game. I don't get that much free time. So for me, that's that's a record. A multiverses. On multiverses, yeah. Since last, you've already Friday. gotten twenty four hours in a week. Yeah. On... A Damn, week. Yeah. son. Yeah. I, I Homie, you be sleep think. playing and shit. <laughs> must be. You be waking up at three o'clock in the morning, not knowing yeah. what you're doing, and you just Angela's like, "Come here, baby. It's four thirty. You're going back to bed." Uh, oh no, four thirty is when you get up, isn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, when I go to work. It's it's an eleven hour day from to and from with commute so i don't know where the hell i found 24 hours to play yeah but I keep waking up in front of the computer for no reason made, made extra time <laughs> yeah i mean that that did actually have this funny enough because last last week the thursday after we recorded i found out about the codes on twitch and i started a, a stream at like eight forty-five, and i woke up in front of the computer two hours later with a code in my inbox so <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're kind of right there, right on the money. Um, my my favorite that, thing is when I fall asleep yeah. watching something, and then I wake up, and it's like if it's not finished, it's like halfway through, and <laughs> like what just yeah. happened? <laughs> or if you're watching a series and it's on Netflix, and you wake up and like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that ticks me off. It's like when <sighs> yeah. when you fall asleep to it, yeah. <laughs> You yeah. wake up and you're like, why in the hell is this on like, season the, three? What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> How long was I watching this? Right. Oh god, I hate that. That's that's the one part. Yeah. Like when when they, they, they stop it after a few episodes, like, are you still there? Yes, thank you. Yes. yes. Yeah. My eyes are closed, but episodes. I'm still paying attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that shit might be annoying, but I tell you, it saves me a lot of rewinding. <laughs> that's true yes that's also why i like watching things on the computer because scroll wheel is so much easier like you just drag it with the mouse not the scroll wheel mm-hmm. the 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 hell is it called you know what i mean the bar timer bar you have to like push a button rewind the, pause the playback go forward, bar. pause mm-hmm. yeah the playback bar thank you yeah you just yeah. grab it with the mouse mm-hmm. and like put it where exactly where you want it's so much easier on, on a computer fuck tv <laughs> yep. you can that. just cast like to a TV, TV though yeah, so pretty much I have, yeah. I, I, yeah, I've got true. a monitor but I've got two TVs hooked up to my to, to, to my computer and um, I mean after, after ha- I've been using TVs for years for monitors and I just don't think I could ever go back yep. it is certainly a way to go it's, for gaming it's wonderful yeah, it's what I do too. Uh, 
I'm so that guy that TV. always wanted the 80 inch television just so I could play with a three foot tall Mario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason why I want one. I want there's nothing quite like video playing games, man. Yeah, there's there's nothing quite like playing New Super Mario Bros. on a flat screen TV. That's 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 the dream. Yeah. Yes, sir. A uh, giant one, the size of my six-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else we got, Rob? Right, so also out, uh, something near and dear to my heart in a way. Uh, Green Lantern, Beware My Power, the new animated movie has been released officially to the public. Also had a screening at the Comic-Con. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Have you had a chance I've not, to watch I, it? I, I've, not, I've not seen it, so I, I'm okay. no spoilers. I, uh, I know there's nothing to spoil. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's great. There is is, it, is it at least entertaining, like, in a comical way, like the Injustice movie? No. <laughs> okay. No. It uh, takes, like, six different comic lines. Only half of them were actually Green Lantern stories. Mash oh. them together in a movie. And uh, just let it run its course. And it ends very in a lackluster fashion. Oh, that's disappointing. And you do know this part based on the trailer. Jon Stewart has not only technically his origin, only because he was a Marine. And Mm. I think they lightly touch on his architectural background. Uh, But they combine both Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner's origins and give Mm. it to Jon. so he's a cartoonist? No, in, in the way that... Uh, so John is just minding his own business. Oh! Going back okay. home yeah. after a night at the... Uh, I think he was at a bar. And he's headed oh, back yeah. home. And then a spaceship crash lands next door. In, oddly enough, an empty lot. Uh, and in it is a guardian of the universe, who I think they actually named Gantit, uh, to oh. give him the last ring in Yeah, existence. they did. Okay, yeah. but yeah. he was in a space. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I always wonder how they try to adapt because I, I don't really remember it all that well from the Justice League animated series. But I, I always wonder how they try and touch up John's origin because I know that's like it's um, how I put this. It's a little dicey. It's a little dated. Yeah, his origin is obviously dated. during the yeah. It's during the hard traveling hero stuff, which is very um, political, shall we say. Some of the yeah. uh, some of some of the dialogue that they had for him in that origin is, um, yeah, dated is all I will say. That's being kind. Our traveling uh, heroes. I haven't read that forever. Yeah, like, well, I reread that first recently. Came out, I completely when, uh, forgot that it was out. Yeah, no, I, I reread that yeah. recently after Neil Adams passed, and, and I and I that was like the first time in like four years I'd read the, the origin of Jon Stewart. And I was like, wow, yeah, this is not aged well. <laughs> I no. mean, they were trying something <laughs> no, nice, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I recently went back. I think after it was either before or after I watched Beware My Power, I just uh, did another read of Jon's origins to familiarize myself with it. And like, yeah, it's, it's not something page for page you could do. In a modern yeah. day movie, <laughs> I don't think they even I would love to see them dry. the animated series, but I, I think there is a way to update it to a point mm-hmm. where it's the the base origin is still there, like how he mm-hmm. gets the ring, and not necessarily 
everything else going on. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of the stuff is just not really necessarily, I, I don't want to say not applicable, but it, like you said, it's dated. Yeah. It's very yeah. dated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, look out for that because it's, it's here. Before you know it, it's in your DVD player. It's too late. Yeah. I'll at least watch yeah, it so, just to see. Yeah, it's at least worth a shot. Uh, give it a mm-hmm. watch. But there's there's been, not only in, in the Green Lantern community, uh, it, it's been a daily discussion. Actually, there has been some Lantern fans that actually really enjoy it for some reason. But... Um, for, some reason, general, for, for some they're reason. Idiots. <laughs> they're idiots. They're idiots. <laughs> um, <laughs> the big discussion is, do we give it money because we want more green lantern content or do we not give it money because if we do give it money they'll think we want green lantern content like this but we don't want it like this we want it okay so here's the thing man if you short wb on money (laughs) remember that yeah Yeah. if you short wb on money they immediately stop everything that they're doing and do something different exactly yeah so i mean yeah, if, if if you boycott a movie just because of one thing, just because of that one movie just being bad, like the idea of it being bad, like misrepresenting John Stewart, an important Green Lantern, um, they're gonna do something really dumb, like start releasing Pixar movies or some shit. I mean, that's just Warner Brothers, and <laughs> you can't do that. You can't yeah. can't scare yeah, them because the then they make it. really stupid decisions. Yeah. I, I will say, though, I've not overly been impressed with their animated universe since the end of their last extended animated universe. Yeah. yeah. And even that wasn't great. It had some highlights, but a lot of it was kind of lackluster adaptations of yeah. New 52 I mean, stories. Wasn't the that... last one uh, Batman and Harley Quinn? Yeah, I think that, before, that, that might have been like a Tim... Yeah, that might have been like a Timverse movie though. Um or wait, wasn't um wasn't Justice League versus Fatal Five like was that two years ago? Or was that last year? No, I don't even no. remember. That might have been twenty nineteen. I don't I forget it. Um Yeah. The most recent one that I can think of though might be Long Halloween, which uh Oh yeah, yeah that's that, part of like the enough current said. animated universe. Yeah. Yeah. Long yeah. Halloween is part of the current age animated <laughs> yeah. universe. Which is it's oh, right, right. weird. They they have they have uh, so World it War ended two. at what world Long yeah Halloween. world's at war. Is that what? It, is, or, is oh maybe right? maybe that's it, what it ended at yeah. Yeah, and I know they like wiped the slate clean with um, uh, Doom. No, not Doom War. Um, something War. World's like, at war. I don't think it, no. It wasn't Worlds at War. Um, that's a Superman crossover. Um, uh, uh, I want to say it's like Dark Side War, but it's not. It might be actually. I don't know. I don't know if they did the anime Wait, version. Let me look that. this up. Or no, no, sorry, Actually. Apocalypse War. That's what I'm thinking of, right? I think that was the one that like put an end on that. Is the post. That's the last ones. That's the last one, I think. And then they they have like the the newer stuff, like that that new Superman movie that came out and the Justice Society movie. Oh shit! Well, wow. 
Correct zero. me if I'm wrong, but I think I think that's the case, right? Like Dark Side War was the end of that universe because they just they like killed everyone off. That was yeah. not a very good movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been. Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah. you're right. But they they definitely like re like hit the redo button. They did a, a rebirth of sorts. Yeah. They they're doing five D, yeah. but in the animated world where. <laughs> Wonder Woman is part of the Justice Society, and her origins date back to that era. And then, well, I don't even know. Are they doing like an interconnected universe anymore? They say they are, but I yeah, because it kind of felt like every project is its own thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's just silly. Um, I mean, I I don't. It's I don't. I don't. It's still starting. Yeah. I don't mind that as much because that's how it was before that Flashpoint Paradox movie where it was just like, here's a bunch of cool storylines. Let's just adapt them and have fun with them. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, and oh. then, you know, they oh, start doing that interconnected it. universe stuff. But I don't know. I liked it. But anyway. Beware my power? No. Oh. The original extended universe. Yeah. Connected. There were there were some that were good, but I just I don't know. I was I was never in love with those movies, and I hated the, the voice acting the, they had for Batman. The Long Halloween one and two didn't really impress me. Oh, Wonder Woman Bloodlines right. didn't really impress me, and Beware My Power didn't really. Yeah, I'll be honest. This is the first animated movie I've watched since Batman and Harley Quinn because that one scarred me <laughs> off the entire animated life. I, I don't blame even though them. even if that's the Tim's verse, which yeah. just makes it so much worse that that should not be part of that universe. Yeah. It just shouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, part of me wants to say it's a Bruce Tim vanity project, but I don't I don't want oh, I don't want to like, like hate on him that much. But it kind of is. For though. the most part, like the the movie was interesting. I, I I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's just that one scene. It's that one scene that scarred me. Everything else is just movie one. Was fine. There were many that scarred me. <laughs> I, I, I might have blocked the rest, but there's one I just I, I won't it won't scrub my memory. It will, will not yeah. go away. And I think we know what scene that is. It's a little scene is... involving Nightwing and Bondage. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, less said, the better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> yes. like, well, yeah. what do you expect um, from people who mercy. dress up in leather every night? Uh, uh. I mean, you, you got a point. Just ask Black Mask. Not like that, though. Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially not with Harley Quinn. No. Har- Harley would kick uh, his out ass of, before. Out of everybody, Harley Quinn probably knows how to do it. Has, probably has the most experience with it. Uh, yeah, but that, that definitely doesn't make it better, <laughs> especially considering she would have been like, uh, you know, definitely a full-grown adult when Nightwing was a child as Robin, which makes it even worse. But, well, he was no, he was yeah, Nightwing at the time, no? No, no, no. I mean, just the, the age difference for me, at least. Is just, oh, yeah. Uh, that's 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 always going to kind of be a problem. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. There, there were many In other problems second, with how that old film, is not just singling that. I mean, she was she was a like fully graduated psychiatrist in her own profession for a couple of years by the time she was Harley Quinn. So, yeah, maybe late twenties by the time she debuted in Vita. 
Though she's like eight years older than him. Ish. Well, I guess it eight depends. Because, I mean, Nightwing could have been, when he was Robin, he could have been in high school or college. I guess, yeah. I guess it depends on the timeline, because, like, she just sort of shows up in the show. She doesn't have a definitive origin. Well, I mean, she does, but not necessarily relative to Nightwing, um, at least not that I can recall. But like, yeah, she's so just brown, there in the show. Cow. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, the age difference aside, there are many other problems with that film that uh, yeah. just make it a mess. Yeah. Well, on to something a little bit better. Uh, yes, announced, I think yesterday. You say? I say better, but it's kind of sad. Death of Superman, thirtieth <laughs> anniversary <laughs> special, coming out in November. Uh, and I forgot to pull up the article with all the creative teams, but it is a lot of people you would. Recognize. I have them memorized in my mind, so I can oh, dazzle shit, you all. There you go. Dan Jurgens <laughs> and Brett Breeding doing a story with Brad Anderson. I, I, I'm, I can close my eyes so you can see I'm not looking at the computer. There's one from Roger Stern and Butch Geis, the creative team on Action Comics. There's one from Louise Simonson and John Bogdanov with, I think, Dennis Yankee doing the inks. And then the last one should be uh, Jerry Ordway and Tom Grummet. Give me praise. Impressive. Give me Impressive. praise. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, I love it. Yeah. The press, I sent the press release like four hours ago. <laughs> this man's yeah. already memorized it. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be four stories with those four creative teams. The first one is going to be about uh, Clark, Lois, and John. Uh, we don't know the age of John, but I'm assuming he's still like pre-fast um, hmm. aging. So when he was still a kid. I don't know why I said it's yeah. so weird. Uh, when he's still a kid and he finds out that once upon a time his dad actually died fighting Doomsday. And sometime after finding out that piece of news... Um, I don't remember the villain's name, but a character very similar to Doomsday appears. Uh, Doombreaker or something. Doombreaker, like that. that's Doombreaker. it, yeah, to fight Superman and Superboy. Uh, we also get, um, I think the three stories take place around the time of the death of Superman. So the, the second one is from the Guardian's perspective, on his way back to Metropolis. Uh, another one is about Steel, John Henry, John Henry Irons, uh, what he was doing during that whole ordeal before he became uh, Steel. And um, last one is Ma and Pa Kent watching their boy uh, fighting a giant monster on TV and all the emotions that would come with that. It's going to be a heavy book, I think. <laughs> Wait a second. Who did that one? Who, who wrote hey, the Mom and Pa Kent one? That should be Jerry Ordway and Tom Grummet. Yeah. All right. That's not Creative bad, but you I mean, it's you're going to think it's fucking weird hearing me say that, but I want Tom King to write that one. Uh, I could, yeah, I could see that. I could like, see that, They're definitely yeah, going for like the, the classic Creative team with this. But yeah, I, I appreciate yeah, yeah, Tom I, King could definitely kill that one. I, I could, I could Tom, see him doing Tom something King like that, but yeah, that I... Story. I, I appreciate that they're committing to, like, these were the teams in 1992? Was it 93? Um, like, we're, we're bringing them all back as if, you know, they were on those ongoing titles again. It was 92, wasn't it? Yeah. I think. I don't know. I wasn't a lot. <laughs> I always wanted to say um, 94, but that's just when I got the Death of Superman video game on Super Nintendo. So that, that always sticks uh, out of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. There was no yeah. book that had sold anywhere near as many, no no non traditional book um, that had sold anywhere near as many copies of anything as the original black bag Death of Superman issue did, and nothing it's crazy even came relatively close to it until yeah. 2016 yeah. when um, Dev. Pikey or Pilkey or something like that uh, invented Dogman and he had this exclusive deal oh, through Scholastic so he oh. hit all the book fairs and all of this shit he had a whole line of comic books aimed specifically at young kids So, but that, that actually managed to come close to the death of Superman um, within I want to say a few million but there's been nothing that's ever done like the death of Superman. Not and had that, that kind of cultural major impact. major story that had like national news publications, right? Yes. Yeah, so. there was uh, Time Magazine had freaking had had a whole issue dedicated to it. Um like pretending like like an immersive issue. Oh um, yeah. As as though it was a whole as as though it was like a whole Daily Planet magazine, it was it was really cool. I mean, it was to be alive then that that and and be a comic book fan. It was man, it was just something else. I can't even put it into words. It was so cool. Uh, yeah. Should have been there. And yeah, then, I read an, and uh, then, an, an interview earlier today with Dan Jurgens, where he's like, apparently was on, not him, but the story that Superman had died was on like Jay Leno or something. It's kind of crazy. Imagine someone yeah. covering like a story about that, right? Uh, you could get the black poly bag ones that were normal, and then my brother and I got two a piece um, where you got the white poly bagged ones. And then if you were dumb enough to open them, that's why we got two. You got yeah. the armband and the ring inside. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool! Yeah. That would have been awesome to still have today. Oh, man. Oh, man. That would have been. Regular Superman 75 is worth about nothing, though. Yeah, no. Oh, I, I scored my copy for like two bucks <laughs> at, a, yeah. at a local comic store. And I still haven't I'm gotten that signed. any version of that issue. Yeah. Oh, shit. Dan, Dan Jurgens is at like every single East Coast con, and I always forget to bring the copy. I don't know why. <laughs> I literally sat down with this man at Terrificon last year, and I and I forgot to bring the one thing that I wanted him to get signed. <laughs> Felt like such a uh, schmuck. Well, there's still time. There's there will be yeah. more cons. Yes, I, I hope so. Yeah. So that that's it for the side news that I've got. Uh, there there were others, but I can't remember them right now, and I forgot to write them down. So <laughs> I I oh, will. No. I will I will get started if that's okay with you guys on the SDCC coverage, <clears throat> uh, specifically my, my, my wheelhouse with the the movie reveals. Um, oh man, <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. So <laughs> it's gonna be awkward this being a DC show awkward. at all. <laughs> so what I've written down here. So Marvel uh, and Disney showed off a stellar display uh, with two public trailers. 
uh, which released on uh, YouTube the same time. That's Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and She-Hulk. And three private ones screened only for Hall H's audience. That would be Ant-Man, Secret Invasion, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. As well as a look ahead through the confirmed end of Phase 4, which is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the slate of Phase 5, and the teases towards Phase 6, which includes Fantastic Four confirmed release date and two Avengers movies in one year, six months apart. children are going to be watching these movies. You know? Oh my god. He's already got the next ten years planned. He's already already ready through Phase 9 and 10. Uh, and you can also expect more reveals coming at this year's D23 Expo. There are many more exciting things to come. I can guarantee you that. Meanwhile, WBDC had a lackluster Shazam trailer and Dwayne Johnson in his Black Adam costume awkwardly answering <laughs> fan questions he doesn't know the answer to, such as, when's Henry Cavill coming back? Uh, <laughs> so as embarrassing year, as that we'll was, I, I didn't hate the Shazam trailer. Uh, yeah it wasn't it wasn't awkward, horrible yes. I, it's it was just i remember the fun of the first one and i'm watching yeah. this one I'm like this there's there's not that much fun here it's really just i get the whole point of the trailer is to show off some of the plot and but that's all it yeah. did it didn't yeah. do much to excite I, I will say this one as a final point i didn't write it down but it's been in the back of my head since i watched the trailer um i forgot how hard puberty hits people because when they show the flashback to Billy, he's like, you can see how much yeah. younger he looks. And I was like, oh, God, Jesus, he's like a grown-ass yeah. man now. Um, the actress for Mary mad. Marvel is 26, and she yeah. plays both Mary and Mary Marvel now. They, they don't even have a separate actress for her transformation anymore. Wow. I, think, I think the kid that plays Billy is oh, yeah. also... He's got to be like 18 now. Oh, shit. Let me, let me double check. Oh, maybe not. Asher Angel. No, he's 19. He's 19 now. Yeah. 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 That's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> if they're doing a third one, they gotta hurry up. Yeah. Like, film it right now. Yeah. Or just, just have... Uh... Oh, God. can't remember his name now. Just have him at Shazam the whole movie, which would suck, but... <laughs> you might have to. <laughs> uh, the last last thing I have. Yeah, is, Chuck. Uh, what the hell is his real name, though? Yeah. I almost Chuck. said. Zach I, I thought Bay. no one was going to get that. Right? Uh, no, Zach. Oh, oh, no, dude, Zach, I, love Zach Chuck. Chuck. <laughs> I love Chuck. Chuck. I love Chuck so much. Uh, yeah. I watched. I, I, dude, there was not many shows you could get me to show up weekly and watch religiously. Chuck mm. was one of them. Yeah, it was a good show. Fucking Zachary Levy, the new Zach something. Yeah. <laughs> Zach. Is it Levy or Levi? I've been saying Levi. Maybe that's not right. I don't know. Uh, Sean Levy and Dan Levy, so I just went with Levy. I mean that that Sean and Dan Levy have a different spelling. I think. I think it's it's with an with L E V Y, right? Yeah, but uh, Zach is L E V I. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, then it's. I, I've always I was like, heard oh, it's it's like Zachary Levi. Levy. Uh, it could be Zach Levi. I have no just, idea. Uh, every every time I hear people talking about him, they say Levy, so I just I got used to that. I just think we should call him Chuck. No last name. <laughs> yeah. Just Chuck. Matter of fact, that works with the show. That's his name, Just Chuck. Yeah, Chuck. Yeah, it's um, just Chuck. 
the last thing I've got uh, is kind of a, a small thing that came out yesterday. Uh, Kevin Feige is confirmed. If you're curious, the Fantastic Four movie will not be an origin story. I know that's been a big question for a <sighs> long time. Do we really right. want to see the origin again? Yes. Are they going to do it? Are they going to explain oh. where he is, where they've been oh, for the past like Christ. ten years? Just a glimpse. That's all they need. That's all anybody needs. What this honestly? Shit's what been that on tells TV me, twice now. Yeah, is like that, you know, everyone knows the origin. origin. It's like Spider Man. Yeah, you yeah. know the origin at this point. When in space, right? there was cosmic blob shit. Now they got exactly. superpowers. There, One guy there you go. Around. You're caught up. You're all caught up. That's all you need yeah. to know. And then you don't spend half the movie awkwardly explaining science crap that that doesn't make any sense and does not exist. Uh, uh, what, you don't like trying to explain that, the negative zone or whatever the hell they were trying to say it was? God, that I don't even know. Was that the negative zone? I really hope it wasn't. <laughs> Cause uh, that's just I think they were trying to movie. imply that it was. Yeah. Oh, God. I think Dr. Uh, Doom was an angry blogger. Yeah, well, it was like a. I, I don't. I don't. I don't even want to go down there. That's a whole other rabbit. No, hole. I can't. Aaron. I can't. Yeah, not not this time. Not right now. Doctor Karen. I still laugh at that last line. Oh god. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <God damn. laughs> no. 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 <laughs> That's one of those movies that I've that I've actually almost walked out of. Like it's, I never knew yeah. that, but I, I, I legitimately if I, if almost I wasn't walked on out a triple date so for that terrible. movie. I would have. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I've only so walked out of one movie. It was that terrible. Um, weirdly enough, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart movie, Central Intelligence, and I went to see that with friends. Oh really? And I literally got like halfway through. I was like, "Fuck this! I'm. I will meet you guys later. I just. I can't do this." I literally cannot watch this anymore. And I walked outside. This movie offends I, me so much. I cannot yeah. stand to sit around. My no, I was literally just, I, I cannot. Minutes. Like, I, I, I literally cannot. Like, I will, I will meet you guys later. We'll go out. We'll get lunch or whatever. I just, I cannot sit and entertain this nonsense anymore. Like, I will, I will meet you later, but I can't. Shit. Not even I never for watched hour. it, but I didn't think it would be that. Not even. Not even. Like, I could not take it anymore. It was that bad. I don't bad. remember it. <laughs> it good. Shit. I don't remember it. I remember Red Notice with him. Him and Ryan Reynolds. And uh, Gail Gadot. Oh, excuse me. That was a pretty funny that good movie. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. But, man, so we got lots of stuff to get through as far as news oh, yeah, goes. Man. And we've been yeah, in this for a half an hour already. What's that. going been, uh, on, guys? Goofing around. We're we're all full of vibe and energy. Yeah. Yes. Bullshit. <laughs> it's super humid. Don't everybody talk at once. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, oh yeah. The only thing I was gonna say is that what what the that that bit about the Fantastic Four movie not being an original story that tells me if if they're not necessarily doing the origin in that movie, some may or may not pop up modern day versions 616 versions in other projects leading up to it so you have uh like the entirety of phase five to look out for fantastic four characters yep and honestly they could just go turn around and put their own spin on the shit look how we were introduced to mutants 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm hoping for the villain, for whatever this movie will be, and you know, I won't we won't um we won't stay on this too long, but I'm hoping whoever they choose for the villain, it's not Doom or just like any of the you know, big name FF villains. Like, go with something that, like, with the first Spider-Man movie, they went with Vulture. Certainly not the most popular yeah. pick, but hey, it works. Like, just let's yeah. let's go with something that's simple that people can get into, that's fun, that lets them play up the science angle of the four, and then just just go off of that. Right, something that can show off the final, excuse me, the Fantastic Four, without it being yes. the last ditch effort, and all of it being a bunch of cut cut shot yeah. CGI shit. I would I say would Annihilus, but it would be exactly that. It would just be a ton of CGI. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, keep it to the ground. Either do Frightful 4 or hmm. Mole Man. Yeah, I, I was thinking Mole Man, but I was thinking that might be too lame. I, I think you could do a really cool Not job Not if they did it right. If they did it like a disaster right. film. Yeah. Yes. Or or I was actually thinking like you could just play up the whole he you know, is... is the leader of the Moloids, and he's seen as like this cult figure. And you could, I don't want to say make it serious, but you could kind of play it up a little bit more, you know, so he doesn't look as well. Like his, yeah, his plan is to dig this underground city underneath New York yeah. City or whatever, and it's going to cause New York City to collapse. I mean, they or could whatever. easily tie that into the other MCU as well and have, have an easy. So he was one of the snap. From Thanos, he comes back after five years, and his entire life has been taken over by somebody else. His apartment is owned yeah, by like someone that. else. His job is owned by somebody else. So he's left on the street, and while he wanders, he ends up in this cave, and there's all these moloids. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm saying we could do that. Okay. Yeah. By the end of that film, Sue is pregnant. Yeah, and so that's and, that's and, a good place to start, right? Like, okay, we have yeah, our villain, yeah. simple enough. Sue is expecting, you know, that's obviously going to lead to Franklin. Like, there's there's groundwork for yes. future stuff, but just yep. again, and let's, let's start second, simple. By the second film, Franklin is aging up quickly, so he's like seven or eight already, and then he's kind of a background character while they deal with Doom, and then in the third movie, they got to deal with. Franklin. I was thinking, and I, I think people wouldn't like that. I'm sorry, I said we weren't going to stay on this for too long, which just got my <laughs> mind going. Um, but I, I don't think people would like this. But I was thinking, like, because obviously Franklin is super popular, but equally popular is, is his sister Valeria, because she's kind of, like, really intelligent and super smart, and, and that, um, oh, her, see, her intelligence it. is, yeah, her intelligence plays a part in some of the stuff and this is just my my own bias showing, but her intelligence plays a part in some of the Hickman Fantastic Four stuff. And I was thinking, if you wanted to kind of introduce both of them, maybe have it so, you know, Sue has has twins, basically. So you have Franklin yeah. and Valeria. Franklin, who is good. super powered and is, you know, uh, like omnipotent. And then Valeria, who's super smart, who is sort of meddling in her father's affairs as we, you know, are in the second or third film or whatever. Um I don't know. I, maybe people wouldn't like the idea of twins, I but dig it. I think it would be nice to have the family in the second film. I'm with you there. Yeah. But again, let's 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 start. Let's let's walk before we can run. Let's not throw everything in just. I, the people only thing dig I can Superman say about and that. Lois, right? They got yeah. They gave Superman two kids, and the one that has powers isn't John. 
Yeah. If if you can change stuff that much and still make it a good Superman show, they're gonna like it. So yeah, change away, my friend. Yeah, change away. Um, the the only thing I can comment with with that is when it comes to Phase Six, they've released the three movies so far among the like ten slots they have open. Fantastic Four is the first one. Right in the middle is the fifth Avengers movie, the Kang Dynasty, and then capping off Phase Six is the second Avengers movie that year. So number six is Secret Wars. <sighs> so if you're familiar with the Secret Wars storyline. Mm. You, you know what may be coming. <laughs> well, they, they've Especially already kind of teased Fantastic it with... Fantastic Four starting that phase. Yeah, they, they've already kind of teased it with the incursions in Doctor Strange. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, so I suspected yeah. something like that was coming. Oh, and the Illuminati, of course. Um, yeah. Although I guess they're dead, but you have to assume there are other versions of the Illuminati that exist. Oh, there's um, be, yeah. Yeah, I but... I mean, we know uh, there's going to be another version of Reed. Of course. Yeah. Which... You know, oh, hey, shit. Council of Reeds. What? I'm just saying. I mean, Hold let's up. not do that in the first one, but it could be there. I'm just saying. Like, guys, come on. It's it's right there. It's on the table. If you want to do that for the third oh, or right. second film, it's what? right there. Oh, that's a piss you off. Oh no. What if oh, they no, don't no, uh, no, for no, the Fantastic no. Four movie? They don't do Reed, Sue, Johnny, and Ben. Oh no, no! I know what and you're gonna instead, say. They do no, Hulk please. Ghost Rider, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. Oh god, I would oh. kill you. Well, not you. I would kill them <laughs> and then myself. Oh man, no, I don't oh, think Tom Holland was. Well, no, they wouldn't. The Tom Holland. What are they? What are they gonna that... bring back? Nick Cage as Feige. Ghost Rider just for this? <laughs> no, no, no. Feige was asked at SDCC if that if if, uh, if he could choose to bring back Ghost Rider. Um, in a Ghost Rider movie, who would be his oh. actor of choice? And without hesitation, he said Ryan Gosling. Yeah. As who? Well, as Johnny Blaze or as Danny Ketch? He strikes no, me more I saw, as I, No, hang on. He I, didn't specify. He, it was just he, Ghost Rider. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't so much that... Because I saw that... I, I, I watched an interview with him about that, and somebody asked him that question about Ryan Gosling, and Ryan Gosling was talking about it. And he, he kind of hemmed and hawed. Like he hinted at nothing particular. Like he's not confirming or denying it, but it definitely seems like Ryan Gosling's on his radar. But I've also been hearing that Keanu Reeves uh, is on that radar too. Like Keanu Reeves, open knowledge that they, they've talked to him, uh, Keanu Reeves for years about finding a role for him. I. I Honestly, the fan cast right now, and I kind of agree with it, is Ghost Rider. Hmm. I'm still not sold on him as Ghost Rider. I feel like he could be Ooh. something else. I just don't Keanu know. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like I said, Keanu Richard Reeves? Rider last yeah. time, and I kind of agree with that, but it would be a very different Richard Rider, yeah. and I think they already have someone else casted. I just I, I appreciate the fact that he's he already drives a motorcycle. He already knows how to ride one. <laughs> And like, he can definitely do that badass role. I don't know. I'll take other one. Am. Whoa. <laughs> Instead of Whoa, vengeance. I'm a ghost. <laughs> uh, Whoa! Yeah. I'm vengeance. Whoa! I'm on fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Let's <laughs> take all my money. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the thing. That's all I've got. But we we can uh, move on. We've got a lot to work on. Yeah. Well, considering that uh, we we've been here for almost an hour, uh, gabbing, I'll I'll move through my <laughs> stuff pretty quickly since it's mostly just comic announcements coming from SDCC. Uh, we all knew there was going to be a big spectacle uh, and, and a bunch of new stuff announced, and there was, as usual. Um, but some very exciting, some I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So I'm going to kick it off with one that I'm very excited for. Uh, last year we were treated to Static Season 1 from Vita Ayala and Nicolas Straper-Ivy. I'm pleased to, I don't know why I'm saying this like I'm a, like I'm a, a showrunner. I'm pleased to announce that uh, the, the series will be returning um, no, so they're bringing the series back in October for a sequel series called Static Shadows of Dakota that will be coming from the same creative team, which is very exciting. Um, and it, it's also exciting because I feel like if Static is coming back for a second season, you can imagine that the rest of them are coming back. So I'm sure they're working on Hardware Season yes. 2, uh, Icon and Rocket Season 2, Hardware I'm particularly excited for. Um, and then, you know, I guess we'll wait and see for Blood Syndicate and, uh, and Duo since those are still in their first season. Um, following that, we have, uh, I mean, maybe a sad announcement. I guess it depends on who you ask. Um, but uh, DC recently announced that the series Future State Gotham will be reaching its final conclusion um, with issue 18. Uh, that will be out on October 11th. But at least for the time being, this looks to be the end of all the Future State stuff as related to Batman. So if you've been joining that series, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's, it's had its moments, some interesting stuff. I think it's pretty good right now, but it is uh, unfortunately reaching its, its final issue come this fall. Um, following that, there was an announcement for a, a new Superman original graphic novel from Cinna Grace, um, who... I've read some of his cartoonist stuff, but I, I'm not entirely familiar with all of his work. Um, but it looks to be interesting. It's a, another take on a kind of Smallville type of origin, um, but I think there could be something there. Um, and that should be out, I think, either fall of 2022 or that will be 2023. Um, and then we got our first look at the Blue Beetle Graduation Day um, series that was in the Round Robin for last year as well as uh, Constantine, uh, the Distorted Illusion series. Both of those will be coming out at some point, um, but we at least get the first look at some of the preview art, which is cool. Um, so I hope those will be satisfying in a way. I, I hope the, the Blue Beetle one will be satisfying. It feels like it has been a while since we've got a, a you know, Jaime Reyes story, so I hope there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then... Uh, what was the other one that I had? Oh, um, sorry. Uh, they released the preview images for the Riddler Year One story, which is tying into the Reeves vs. Batman stuff. That is being written by Paul Dano, the actor who played uh, Edward Nashton, the Riddler, in the film uh, with art from Sivan Subic, who I'm not familiar with, but it looks very dreamlike, very Vertigo-inspired, you might say, um, with like the kind of painted... Uh, photorealistic aesthetic that uh, a lot of people go crazy for, myself included. Uh, that's mm -hmm. out in October, um, so I think that one at least will be interesting uh, to check out. Um, and then two new, actually, sorry, three new titles um, in Gotham City specifically, because we were never 
never getting enough Batman stuff. Um, and that Ooh, is, of course, the previously announced. Yeah, I know the previously announced Batman Incorporated from Ed Brisson and John Timms. We got our, our first cover reveal, one from Derek Chu and one from John Timms with one upcoming from Chris Burnham. And then the book that I continuously keep calling Gotham Central, even though it's not GCPD, The Blue Wall from John Ridley <laughs> and Stefano Raffaele, which is focusing on Commissioner Montoya uh, and the rest of the GCPD uh, in Gotham City, which I think should be should be interesting. I, I don't know. Like, I, I love a series that just focuses on like the, the uh, GCPD's role in, in things. So I hope this is uh, satisfying. Um, and then the last one is, and we all kind of knew this was coming after the ending in Joker, um, but Punchline is getting a new series, a six-issue series from Teeny Howard and Blake Howard, the husband and wife duo with art from Gleb Melnikov called Punchline, the, gold, uh, the Golden Game. Punchline, the Gotham Game. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll be following Yay. up the... Punchline trial story from Joker. So if you like that, check this out. I guess the I only there's a the really cool cover grace from Raphael. for that. So, yeah. The only saving grace that I can see for that is maybe we'll see more Bluebird. Maybe I hope so. That that's probably going to be my reason for reading the series. That and the fact that we'll be covering it. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Know. <laughs> I wish. I wish I could it. pretend. I'm so dumb. Yeah. Punchline. I wish I could pretend that I care that much, but I really don't. I don't have the energy for it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's well, actually, two two smaller things. Um, I don't. This is this one is so weird. Um, I don't know if you guys read the series Paper Girls at all from Brian K. Vaughan and Cliff Chung, but I always meant to. They made an adaptation of it, and it's coming out tomorrow. And oh. the promotion for this show has been terrible because they put out a trailer like I think yeah. three weeks before it was supposed to come out, and I had no idea. Like, it just they they were so I don't know, like almost sneaky about it. It's weird. Like maybe they're hoping if they just drop it and people flock to it, it'll be cool. But I feel like there was just no promotion and no hype around this series, which is a shame because it's a great series from from. Um, from BKV and, and Cliff Chong, but that's out tomorrow. So if you're a fan of this series, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. But it's the weirdest thing. I feel like I've seen no advertising for it at all. Um, yeah. And then uh, last thing, I wanted to give a shout out to, uh, to Tom Taylor, who in the middle of his, I don't even know what the panel was specifically. It was something with Tom King. Uh, had a, a minute of applause in memory of Alan Grant, which I thought. Um, was really sweet and really respectful. Again, it really had no reason to do that, but it just felt like the right thing to do, um, and, and he was paying his tribute to him. And I just thought that was really respectful. Um, and uh, I, I just I wanted to give him props for that, because sometimes you don't always see uh, some of these creators extending that respect, at least not in, in any kind of major way. They'll kind of do it in their own private ways, but I thought that was just really nice. So uh, good for you, Tom. I don't know why I said Tom. We're not friends. Um, I thought I yeah, good for you. He Matt. feels yeah. like family. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and another uh, interesting thing about it, so, for whatever reason, Tom King and Tom Taylor were there. Which a good idea, a bad idea? It's up to you to decide because it can get confusing. They swapped hats as well, sitting mm-hmm. right next to each other. 
because they when 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 Tom King was doing Batman, that shit used to happen all the time. Yeah. yeah they, they, at one point, yeah, Tom Taylor. When I when I was on it. yeah when I was on Twitter, I remember at one point I think they like switched profile pictures or something, which is very confusing. Yeah. Well, that I think that was in response to there was a few uh, online website uh, news sites that just straight up got the name wrong. Yeah. I think for, oh, I think it, I think it was Tom Amazon. King, Batman, Amazon they credited Tom Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah, had Amazon had a listing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um that makes me happy. All right. Anybody got anything else for news? Oh, I I guess I, I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but the Eisners happened at SDCC. Um, oh, so yes, yeah, lots and lots of there were some cool uh, uh, nominations and and winners. Um, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I just I I'm, I'm this will be approximately two minutes, and I will waste no more of your time. I swear. Um, but I, I just I had to. I, I got I had to do it. I had to do it. Um, so they had a they had quite quite the uh, the list of nominees this year. Many of which I was not surprised to see. Um, and, uh, I, I was, I was happy for a lot of the people that won the awards, but I gotta be honest, while James Tynan did get best writer this year, I'm incredibly disappointed because I feel like it should have gone to Romby. Um, he was Fucking up for, right. I believe it was the Swamp Thing and the Many Deaths of Layla Starr. I did not love the Many Deaths of Layla Starr, but if you go good. on like any review site, it is one of, if not the highest rating comic series ever. Like, I'm not even kidding. The book had, like, a 9.9 out of 10, which is one of the highest ratings I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it was, I don't know, like, I felt like it was his year to just take all the awards, especially for Best Writer, because I felt like he just had it such a knockout 2021. And as happy as I was for James to get his second Best Writer award in in, uh, in a row, I just, I feel like it should have gone to, to Rob. And I'm hoping second that maybe best writer he pick for it up what? next year. Uh, no, the the award is just called best writer. Oh, so it yeah. takes it it takes into consideration everything he was doing that year. What? A yeah. Bunch so, um, I mean, it, and it was well deserved. He, you know, nice house in the lake, great. Something's killing the children, also great. Batman exists, um, and <laughs> exactly. House of Slaughter exists. was serviceable. Um, but for the most part, yes, I, I had a pretty good twenty twenty one. But again, I think. I, I really think they should have given it to Rom, who's, especially as like a newcomer. It would have been just a great way. Okay, two minutes are over. We can move on. Okay, and Milestones getting a documentary is coming out tomorrow on HBO Max. Hopefully, in other places too. Awesome. That's okay. Yeah. All right. What are some mentions? What are some honorable mentions for this week, Josh? Uh, we got three of them. Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number four. Why are you not reading this? Batman One Dark Knight number three. You probably should be reading that. And Batman Fortress number three. Don't bother reading the, don't bother reading this. And that is our honorable mentions for this week. All right. Well then we'll hit our on <laughs> switch. We'll flash that uh Flash that spotlight and turn it over to our first book for this week, which is 
DC Mech number one, I feel is appropriate uh, because it is a very <laughs> brightly colored book. So why not pour on more light, which I'm going to pass over to Rob to summarize. Thank you very much. Uh, so this is, as uh, said, DC Mech number one. That is the mechanoid uh, mech suits. If the the term mech is confusing to you, writer, uh, sorry, it's from written. Oh my god, it's written by Kenny Porter. Get your mind out, like shit. It's a jumble up here. My god. Okay, it's written by Kenny Porter with art from Balderrama Rivas, colors from Mike Spicer, and letter from Tom Napolitano. So with the destruction of Krypton, Jor-El and Lara sent their baby boy to planet Earth to help defend it against Apocalypse, the war planet that just eliminated their own planet. While on Earth, the JSA returns to the USA after winning World War II, just in time for the next threat, a monster kaiju-sized parademon which kills half the team. They ultimately win, but at a huge cost and a warning of more to come. Over the next decades, the planet prepares with giant mech suits built, piloted by the world's greatest heroes, and in the dire and then the dire time when the Parademons returns, uh, the first two to meet the challenge, Batman and Flash, are no match until the baby Kal-El, now grown as a Superman, falls from space to fight the Parademon horde, all in giant mech suits. Yeah, for someone like me that loves mech stories, uh, this is dope. But there are some clear issues with the story. Namely, why would the pilots take on monikers and styles like Batman and Flash? What What's the reason? What's the purpose? Like, it's like, it's like as a I call said, sign, I'm maybe? that loves mech stories. I mean, yeah, there's that. But these are overly stylized. <laughs> when it comes to other, like, any, any other mech story in existence, from Pacific Rim to Gundam, to Evangelion, to uh, fucking Escaflone. Uh, yeah, they'll have call signs and they'll have style, but not like this. <laughs> this is this is over-stylized. This is like, maybe I was a hero first and now I'm getting a mech, but they didn't go into that detail. I kind of hope we do see that in the six issues that take place, the five issues that remain, and we will see other members of the Justice League. I am very curious to see if Cyborg has a mech and how that's going to work out. Maybe he is the mech. Maybe he is the mech, you know? Maybe he's the first mech with an AI. So, yeah. Yeah. Gave it a 7 out of 10. I didn't hate it. I do have a lot of questions. I hope they get answered. Uh, But, like I said, I'm a guy that loves mech stories. I do not think this book is for everyone. (laughs) And I I recognize that. And I have a feeling... I'm about to hear <laughs> some reasons why it's not for everyone. Uh, you you would think that I this would be like the kind of book that I would look at and just go, this is a total load. Why did I waste my time on this? Especially after, as Kirk and I will tell you, we had our brains just like melted, um, not in a good way, in a, a very stupid way, by the Marvel Tech On series, which, or sorry, Avengers oh. Tech On series. Which was, I mean, it was literally just a walking advertisement. Like, it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever yeah. seen. Um, so already I kind of had some baggage going into this. But it was a surprising amount of fun. I think I, I was shocked by the JSA opening, which um, yeah. at least got my attention. Um, and then I was like, okay, all right, book. I'll uh, I'll give you a shot. Let's see what else you okay, got. Okay, book. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. See what okay, you got, DC book. Mag. Let's... Yeah. Let's let's see what's here. Um, and 
it was it was more fun than I think I was expecting. Um, I, again, I I am someone who has probably watched a handful of Mecha shows um, at best, so I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan. I, I think I did one Gundam build once, and then I was like, I'm, I don't know if I have the patience to do this again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was I don't know, it was like fun. Like, uh, yeah, that was the thing. I just I, I was like I was starting to get frustrated, and I was like, all right, let me just calm down. Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. Like, I agree. There are some things that are very hokey, very silly. I didn't really so much mind the names, um, but, uh, it, it definitely felt like they were leaning into a lot of tropes that I felt like worked in some ways, but in other ways just felt kind of silly. Um, so I gave this one a 7.5, which is generous, but, um, I, I do recognize that it is, it, it is very silly, but it, it, Maybe maybe it's just trying to be something that is less serious. Like let's just have fun with the yeah. weird universe where all our superheroes are driving mechs, um, which makes it sound like I'm giving it a pass when I was totally shitting on Avengers Tech on. But that that was yeah that, that that's a whole other can of worms. At least this is like trying to I don't know have some kind of story. That was just a mess. That was like let's just put yeah. a lot of action onto a page that has cool mechs and then that's it. Fuck you. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Seven point five. Like if you, if you want this to be slightly better, uh, give a reason why these mechs are are individualized. Like for Flash, it's got booster jets which make it the fastest mech built. That makes sense. But why is Batman Batman? What makes it different from any other mech? Give stealth a mode. Yeah. I hope. Prep time. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> My suit slows down time so I can develop plans while everyone else is frozen. There when you I go. come back, I'm prepared. That's the real right, answer. Brandon, you gave it a 7.5. Rob, what did you give it? Yes, I gave it a 7. Oh, wow. Okay, so when I started reading this, I immediately thought of Jurassic DC or whatever the hell we're called that. The Jurassic League? How dare you? Jurassic League. There we go. Um, and while this is pretty much the same thing, I thought it was so much better. It's it's a pretty good story. The mechs look pretty cool, and and the art is like right on point, man. I dig it. I enjoyed it. I had a good time, which is not something I usually say for some kind of a gimmicky book. Maybe it was just a good day for me, but I gave this an eight point two five. Well, shit. Wow. I'm surprised. <laughs> After a very the good discussions day. we had about Jurassic League and you going on yeah. about... Uh, but the uh, names were all the, silly the and, the, and it was like Daniel Warren you Johnson not, like, saying, Grouthum what Johnson? if I do bad? Grouthum City is genius and I will not have you slander in that. <laughs> I wish I could be That's that clever. Insane. Uh, speaking of people who are very clever i guess that's a good way to segue to our next book which is superman space age written by someone who i would say is very clever uh mr mark russell very interesting art pairing this time mike allred um i was saying this earlier to myself because i have no one else to talk to um but uh I feel like Mark Russell always gets paired with really interesting art teams, um, whether it's you know Steve Pugh or Steve Lieber or Steve whoever. 
or someone not named Steve. Um, they're always putting him with a really interesting art pairing for whatever kind of book or miniseries he has coming out. So when I saw that it was him teamed up with Mike Allred, it was definitely exciting to Mike see um, what they might. Yeah, Mike and Spike Laura. Allred. Yeah, and Laura, who is his colorist, um, which is a, a very, a very sweet team. Um, with letters from Dave Sharp, of course. Um, this is a big-ass book, so I'm not going to cover it in detail. It's like 80-something pages, and to go through the story would take another hour, which not only do we not have, but um, it would just it would, it would it would eat up the entire show. So rather than that, I will give you the, the summary, which is um, if you've ever read DC The New Frontier, you've kind of read this book. Uh, that's not a diss. I mean that in a very good way um, because it takes the aesthetic of the early 1960s, specifically 1963, and positions that as mm-hmm. the backdrop of the DC universe. Um, and we start, of course, with uh, Clark Kent in Smallville growing up with his father who feels like it's kind of limited and constrained there and he feels a necessity to go out and do more for the world. Um, and gradually we're introduced to more characters throughout this version of the DC universe, like Batman, who is kind of uh, an industrialist with a feud against Lex Luthor. We're introduced to this version of Hal Jordan, who, no surprise there, is still a pilot, um, as yeah, well they, as... That, uh, that version of Bruce Wayne, I thought, was really cool. Yeah. Yes, I, li- I like this this uh, this sparring version of Bruce Wayne. We need to see more of Bruce Wayne fighting with Lex Luthor on the business side. We get like glimpses of it here and there in the main DC, but... I want that more. I, I want them yep, in, in fierce, fierce industrial wars. That's what we need. Let's let's get a miniseries called like, Batman yeah. Industry. Um, as, as, well, that. Batman Inc. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Batman Inc. Except this time, it's actually just running a company. Like, well, yeah. Not not I mean, globe trobbing. Yeah, saying not, Wayne Industries was yeah. funded Batman Inc. Yeah, that no. would be the case. No, anymore, no. But it, no, yeah, no globetrotting adventures. It's just like let's just have a bunch of issues where he's sitting in a boardroom talking about Luther you know, is the charts. perfect daytime <laughs> enemy for Batman. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Or, and or, if if he were to take off the cowl, that could continue Bruce's stories. Um, but anyway, yeah, it uses I, the backdrop know, of the sixties. Yeah, no, no, no. It's I, I agree, um, but use the backdrop of the sixties as a way to kind of tell the story, which I really like, which is why it reminds me a lot of The New Frontier. Um, there's also an, an interesting subplot that I, I just kind of wanted to mention, but I won't get into too much detail with, um, on Pariah, which I wasn't really sure how much this was tying into like legitimate DC continuity, or if this was just a fun Easter egg that Mark Russell was kind of like poking us with, but um, I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, really, again, it's 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 almost like the book is called Superman Space Age, and uh, Clark is certainly our, our protagonist, but I feel like it's really um, kind of like an origin of the Justice League, again, set in 1963, in the early 60s, as they're all coming from very different places uh, to ultimately team up together as what will become the Justice League, which is why it reminds me so much of uh, New Frontier, New Frontier. Um, in, in a lot of good ways. Um, and it does pay tribute to many historical um, uh, figures and, and other references um, from that era, which I really appreciate. The art from Mike Allred and Laura Allred is sublime, but you knew that already. You knew that when you when you bought the book or you looked at it and you saw the cover and he's holding the earth and it's just the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen. Um, 
But uh, my, my final thought was just that um, for as much as Mark Russell is known for his comedy, whether you've read uh, One Star Squadron or Not All Robots or Billionaire Island or Prez or any of the funny books that he's done in the past, this, I think, is definitely a bit more dramatic, which is an interesting shift in tone for him. Um, and I hope that Not All Robots people... was pretty dramatic, too. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. But, you know, he kind of has, like, that, that that poking humor. And there's elements of it in here, but this, I felt, was a lot more like, I really have, you know, something important to say about Superman mm-hmm. set in this era, which I appreciated. So um, I hope that people aren't overlooking it just because they expect one thing from Mark Russell and get something different here. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and I think both fans of Mark Russell, fans of New Frontier, and fans of Superman will enjoy it as well. So this one got an 8.5 out of 10 for me. Um, yeah, honestly, just friggin' fantastic story so far. Great feel for the era. Uh, the art and writing pairing is fantastic. Uh, definitely, I was thinking the same thing when you said uh, Justice League New Frontier. I was thinking the exact same thing. Uh, you just you get that same feel. Also, a fantastic story. Um, definitely check this out. Nine point five out of ten. I was almost there. Um, I'm just gonna mirror echo what y'all said. I mean, with a team like Mark Russell who writes great just as a style, like that is his writing style, great. And then you have uh, Mike and Laura uh, Allred. It's just it's 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 a stack deck going in, and they really did a, a great great job. Um, I like how. It's a very, very classic looking comic book, but like the the little details, the the the, the little obvious talent from the you know the the, the uh, illustrators of today versus back then just slips through all over the page, and it's really really nice to look at. I love it. I love the shit out of it. Nine point two five out of ten. Yeah, no, I think Mike Allred does a great job at like invoking that 60s style but it's not it's not so distracting that it, it just looks like a copy of something um it just it looks like yeah a no, marriage it's... between modern styles and you know that past style so his his superman exactly. is both his own but it also kind of looks like you know your kurt swan classic 60s superman which i appreciate so yeah. even down to like the the location cards where they when they they say what year it is 1965 is written in, in like a, a classic 60s billboard. Yeah. Just the aesthetic is so good. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's a shame Darwin yeah. Quick. Darwin Quick. Darwin Cook is no longer with us because I could totally see him yeah. just demolishing a book like this, which again, like he did with New Frontier, but um, I, I think he could do another project like this. But anyway, that's Superman Space Age number one, which. Definitely made me feel a lot of good things, I would say. So let's talk about a book that makes you feel terrible. Uh, Task Force Z, number 10. I'm going to pass that over to Josh, who will drag us through the muck and misery that is Task Force Z. Well, Brandon, tell us how you really feel. (laughs) No, not that it's a terrible book. It's just, I mean, the the book is like grimy and gross. (laughs) Would you deny that? Is the cover not a corpse of Bane? Yes, it is. Um, uh, it's a pretty cool cover uh, drawn by Eddie Barrows and Adriana Lucas. 
Uh, we've got a script from Matthew Rosenberg, Pencils and Eeks from uh, Eddie Barrows and Iber Fiera, and uh, Adriano Lucas on those colors, letter from Rob Lee. And there's those back and forth flashbacks in this book that I was thankful for uh, not being there last last week. Well, they're here this week. But I'll go ahead and condense what happens. Um, months ago, the head of Task Force Z of back then is meeting with Amanda Waller and Peacemaker. It's an uneasy alliance to begin with, and then she introduces the Thinker as the newest member of her team. Now to the present. So, not Bane, but still called Bane, is on the surgery table with a crowd of Harvey Dunn, O'Connor, Bloom, not Man Bat, but Man Bat, and other, and it's either Amelia or Delia, one of the two. But um, there seems to be a problem. Bloom brought back Langstrom to be his scientist, but Dr. Kirk can't deliver. Not Bane isn't regenerating like he's supposed to, and it's because of decay, like of his brain and everything else. Mr. Bloom threatens Langstrom, or Not Man Bat, and says to do better and takes off. He goes to Task Force Z's hideout, but Jason wakes up before he could attack. Bloom whips... Whoop! Mm-hmm. Wicked, wicked. Um, he whoops... <laughs> Bloom whoops on Jason until Grundy shows up, but then Bloom mind controls everybody except for Jason, Amelia, the clone, and Solomon Grundy with a song. Creepy, weird one at that. They are uh, able to undo the mind control, except for Copperhead, of course, who drives their van through Solomon Grundy as Bloom, uh, driving it as Bloom's getaway vehicle. That's singing when Two Face runs out. The the sound of music, I might add. He's, he's singing, yeah, which <laughs> made it super creepy. Um. Uh, uh Two Face runs out and says that they took Delia too. And uh, so we flipped to Bloom, and him and his team are all standing around, not Bane, uh, including Delia. And uh, this is where his identity, not Bane's identity, we finally get a name, and that name is Gotham. Oh, Oh, it was Gotham the whole time. It was Gotham the whole time. time. This whole time time. he could fly, but he chose not to which also he didn't funny. know that's the thing he had, he had the memories of Bane yep well which explains why Gotham Girl has been popping up recently yeah there are some intersecting stories being set up there um you know the, honestly the art was great I it, it always is and I really thought that this was pretty dang good. Um, even the reveal of Gotham uh, being that monster, it didn't off-put because I knew it wasn't going to be anybody significant because there's nobody really significant to bring back at this time. Um, so I didn't mind it at all. Uh, while this is not going to win title of the year awards or anything at the next year's SDCC, uh, it has been a fun, interesting, and funny story, loosely woven into the rest of continuity. And um, honestly, I like Amelia and Delia. I, 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 I like this story. 
And um, I, before I let you guys say anything, uh, Brandon, I don't remember your answer to the question that Rob asked in Discord. So um, he asked, when you're reading Task Force Z, whose voice, oh. what, what does Mr. Bloom's voice sound like? My answer was like a sinister slowed down Olaf from Frozen. Like super gravelly, but it raises up a few octaves in weird places that don't make sense. That's 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 <laughs> how I hear. <laughs> that's how I hear Bloom. Well, how do you hear uh, Bloom's voice? Well, the the answer that I I did give on Discord was again a very weird reference, but it was just the one that popped into my head uh, when I was reading Super Heavy, which was. Uh, there's a character from the third season of Danny Phantom called Undergrowth, who's voiced by Mark Hamill, um, and it's an okay episode. Legendary just, voice actor. Yeah, the the voice that he does for that character, which is basically just like his normal, like kind of gravelly voice, but dubbed a little over, is just incredible. Uh, and that was the one that I heard, like a a very like sinister, you know, bass um, with with uh, some some quieter moments when he's trying to make a joke. Which is often throughout this issue. Yeah, I would. I, I took a look. I, I listened to the, the um, uh, overgrowth voice after. Mm. I, that's a really good choice. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why that was the one that popped into my head. It's not like I've been watching Danny Phantom lately. It was just like I saw him and I was like, yeah, I feel like that's the voice that that should fit something like that. Um, so. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the uh, most neighborly voice you could think of. Just to me, it made it so much creepier. You had this giant, lanky, like Slenderman-looking like, fool with a flower for a face, and he could like stab you in the eye with his finger and go out the back of your head. And he just sounds like Ned Flanders. I I honestly just, really like that though. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the idea. I, I like the idea that someone as, as skeletal and creepy and um, haunting as Mr. Bloom could be walking behind you at night, and the first thing you hear is like a Ned Flanders voice, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> am I supposed to be scared, or am I supposed to like get out my cross, because I need to yeah. pray. Not pray because I want God to save me, pray because he's a religious freak, and I need him to go away. <laughs> Coming um, down anyway, yeah. from the um, No, this. Dog. Well, actually, uh, uh, I, Rob, I don't know. I don't know if you. Uh, or sorry, not Rob. Um, or, yeah, Rob, I don't know if you wanted to go first for your thoughts on this. I don't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, uh, I can go first. I, I don't have many. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the twist at the end, um, mostly because I I had another idea in my head as to who it could be, and it was so much worse. So pretty much any plea would have been better. I, I legit in the last few pages when they they were starting to hint at the fact that it was somebody of note, uh, despite the fact the beginning of the issue that so you have some like trucker at a truck stop we found dead and I was like wait so this is actually somebody I thought don't fucking tell me it's Alfred because that would suck oh man With, which yeah, not only would that man. suck but it would bring new meaning to that that scene of Red Hood saying do you know why I'm doing this a yes oh uh, god yeah which. It was just complete 180 that entire fucking moment. But thankfully yeah. it was not Alfred. Because <laughs> that would that would be horrible. 
Oh um, my God! Could you imagine what would have happened to Twitter? Oh God! Yeah. yeah. So when when I saw it would have caught on oh, fire so hard it changed the bird red. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore. Um, as as for the back and forth, I I'm not a big fan of that type of storyline, or storytelling rather. But it was very good to have some blanks filled in, because uh, there was still yep. a lot of questions as to how this all got started. So to have those answered, uh, it's finally finally good, some peace of mind. So I gave it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I, I really appreciated the back and forth just because it, it gave some clarity as to how this version of Bane knew about, you know, Alfred and everything else. Um, it does beg the question as to, like, how much of Bane's memories they were actually able to transport, but it seems like they got at least the most current stuff. So um, that, that was just good to clear up. Um, Mr. Bloom had me howling in this issue, like, more than I think I have in yeah. any other. I, I don't know, like, I mean, he he's been a pretty funny. comedic character consistently, but I don't know. I feel like this issue, they they just, like, turned it up a notch or something. Because it's like every time he talks, is like, just, I mean, sometimes that might get grating and kind of annoying, like, to have a character that's constantly making jokes. But I don't know. It was, everyone was landing with me, especially when he's, he turns to Amanda Waller and he's, like, creepy-ass, skeleton-looking motherfucker. And he's like, first of all, I'm going to take that as a compliment. And I was, I was, like, on the <laughs> I was on the floor. I was like, Jesus, man, chill. Um, and then just the, the, I mean, the back and forth with Jason and everything. I was, I don't know, again, I don't know what, what this issue was, but it just, some with the comedy, it was like, it just had me this time. Um, but yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that there's only two more chapters of this series. Um, not because I'm, you know, it feels like the, the, um, story doesn't feel like it's conclusive, but, um, it's just, it feels like it's gone by pretty fast. I mean, it has been a year, but, um, I guess we've just been enjoying it for the most part. It's it's gone by. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, 11 and 12, that's, uh, that's it. So I'm kind of, I don't know, like, I don't know that I'm going to miss this series. I think I will. But if it's a satisfying conclusion, I can at least put it to rest feeling like it, it got a you know a good send-off. But I think there is going to be a right. part of me, kind of like with the Arkham City book that we talked about a little while ago, that will be sad to see this one go, where it's like yeah. I just don't have it in my, in my, um, my pull every month. And, uh, you know, it's, it's this weird little ragtag team that I, I have to say goodbye to. So I'll be a little sad about that. But uh, as long as it has a good send-off, I'll be okay. So... I gave this one an eight. Pour one out, out for, for for order of the world. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> pour pour one out for them all. But I, I'm gonna pour out a double for Bloom and Grundy too. They were the real stars of this. Oh, God. Like who cares about Jason? Yeah. Honestly, I'm I'm just reading this for Bloom. Grundy. I know. I'm just reading this for Grundy. <laughs> Grundy that will what was it? Will will kink fetish you? And he's like, you're not. You. Dude, this issue. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It had me howling. It literally had me howling. Change you to pieces. Yes. Yes. Fucking fantastic. (laughs) I was just like, oh my god, brilliant. And while Um, while this was not my favorite moments, I I will give a a nod to Jason, where he puts on a shirt, puts on his mask, and he's still in his boxers. Not even his boxers. I think tiny whiteies. And he's just fighting Bloom at the top of the stairs, and the rest of the team is like. What's going on? He's <laughs> copperhead. Meet me outside. And he goes, but you're inside. And then you turn the page, and they're jumping out the window. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. so much good stuff. It's so Archer-esque. Yeah, no, that's that's why it's like this. This 
This book is such a oh oh. There was one more thing, just a, a very minor thing, but and I didn't even notice it. I feel like I noticed it before, but I just kind of forgot. But if you look at the credits page, you know they have like all the creators listed and everything, and then they'll usually have like a title character or group created by X. And I I probably had noticed it a couple times, but I didn't really just register it until now. But every single issue has task force created by some inane thing. Because obviously, you know, it was Rosenberg and, and uh, Barrows who came up with the idea for Task Force Z. But each, uh, each listing is a different one. So this one was created by blood, guts, and bad ideas. And uh, I think the last one was like, created by two losers with too much time or something. Um, which I was <laughs> That's awesome. Fun time. Yeah. Right on. <sighs> wow. All right. Well, before we head into our main reviews, we're going to shift our spotlight to one last book, and then we'll take a brief break. We're going yeah. to dive underseas and have ourselves an epic adventure with the Aquaman in Aquaman number six, which I'm going to pass over to Rob. Yeah, we're going to wash off the filth of zombie guts yes. in the deep ocean sea. Uh, so, yes, Aquaman number six, uh, written by Brandon Thomas and Chuck Rand, with art from Max Rayner, colors from Adriano Lucas, letters from And World Design, and a wonderful cover from Travis Moore and Adriano Lucas. Uh, it's kind of a brief one. While there is a lot going on, there's also not much to say. So, the Aqua family is picking up the pieces of their adventure with the Atlantean sleeper agents. Meanwhile, the governments of the surface world are deliberating on how to handle Atlantis uh, while going forward with a strategic attack. Um, This all does get interrupted, though, after news breaks that the Justice League is dead, and Mira and Jackson both take off from their respective places and head to Arthur's lighthouse, where they embrace in a hug and cry. Uh, there was a lot more going on, a lot of character moments, a lot of fun stuff. Definitely check it out, but the last few pages are so fucking heavy. Uh, th- this better not be the final issue, because as it is going forward, there are no more solicitations. There is nothing listed anywhere for Aquaman number 7, and it is my hope that it just picks up again after Dark Crisis. No, Please. we heard back in April that this was going to be the cutoff. I mean, we heard that. I from really hope that's not true, cool. though. <laughs> and nobody like else. <laughs> yeah, there's just. I feel like I don't know how you guys feel, but I just. It feels like there's so much more that they can do with this story. I mean, all the stuff Me that too. was building up to you know the the UN and and possibly coming into conflict with Atlantis, and I know they kind of resolve it with the Justice League being dead, but I, I don't know. There's like there's still there's just still so much on the table that they could do and. If this really is the last issue of the series, like what what a colossal waste. Yeah. I, I could it see really this is. as I, like it would be Arthur's awesome could to presume see. dead, so they just put it on yeah. hold until he comes back. I and hope not so. Not to say that that uh, that that um, I wanna say Calder, I can't remember <laughs> Jackson. Jackson. Uh Calder the book by himself. Yeah. I was thinking of, of Young Justice cartoon. <laughs> um, not that he couldn't hold the book by himself, but it is Aquaman. So to have mm. only one is kind of a misnomer for the title, like, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, but Aquaman, yeah. I think, could very well be a yeah, an Atlantean team. Garth. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the guy Tempest, said they have fucking, Garth um, and Tula dolphin, and, and uh, yeah, Dolphin so and the rest of them. You could all Even Black Manta up. is Yeah, Black there. Manta could be one too, yeah. Yeah. 
that I don't know. is the light side. It's that's uh. a missed opportunity if it's done right. Yeah. Not yeah. everything has to be about family in an Aquaman book. It's not the Fast and the Fucking Furious. It's about family. No, it doesn't yeah. have to be. I mean, they swim really, really fast. Yeah, that's true. I have seen them furious. Mm-hmm. We, we saw them furious people. a couple issues ago. Well, Jackson. Yeah. When, when the fuck is Mara not furious? <laughs> exactly. She, she was even a Red yeah. Lantern once. And That's what I'm fucking saying. Oh my god, I forgot Black about Nates that. That's ball. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blackest mm-hmm. Night. That was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 8. I, 8. You know what? I this... to give a score. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what did Whoops. you give it? 8.75 out of 10. 8.75? <sighs> yeah. To me, this... This this felt like the end of the story. Um, everything's wrapped up. Was it wrapped up perfectly? No. I feel like it could have used one or two more issues just to wrap up this part of the story. But it is what we got. Um, the art looks freaking amazing as always. If we got an Aquaverse, I would be totally down with that. I would be totally down with the Aquaman book continuing and having Tempest and Dolphin and everybody being a part of that team and um, I think that would probably be the best thing that they could possibly do for the Aquaman universe but um, I don't have faith that they'll do it also um, just out of curiosity what role is Steve Trevor playing here currently he's just a member of Backyard Checkmate that's fighting against uh, Monster Mind Milk. I think he is the technically the not talk about that UN ambassador <laughs> to Atlantis. I think that's like the title that they're going for, or, or like UN liaison or whatever the hell. Because yeah. I remember like he was the Justice League liaison during the New Fifty Two, and I think now he's like the Atlantean liaison or whatever. Like basically the guy who's like the the intermediary between. UN and Atlantis so he's the one that's like trying to make sure that they don't go to war so this dude is that he Steve Trevor is that important and when he's trying to set up a new covert agency the best he can get is like a 13 by 12 room to set his shit up on with a couple of folding chairs that doesn't make any sense damn you Wonder Woman book damn (laughs) you isn't cheap man he, I mean, I, I'm sure the UN pays like pennies. So, you know, you can't really rent a big ass warehouse or a nice office building. You got to get what you can afford. Right? I paid an upcharge for the used carpet. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I enjoyed it. It just could have been better. I gave this a 7.25 out of 10. I also gave this an 8.75. Um, I This was the last issue I read because I kept putting it off because I, I suspected in my mind that it was going to be the ending of the series, and I really hated that because, I, 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 again, I, I, I was really all in on this being a new ongoing for Aquaman. I was like, okay, this is the new status quo. We're setting up you know, Garth and, uh, and Jackson and Arthur 
and Manta as the new Aquaman. This is this is what we're going. This is the new status quo. I was like, all right, cool. I'm totally on board with that. And then to just bring it to an end after six issues was just, I don't know, it's like heartbreaking, which I know sounds dramatic, mm-hmm. but I think for as much as I had invested in the idea of this series, it just felt like, you know, such a disappointment to end it so soon um, after what is basically just one arc. Um, and again, there still doing feels away like... with such potential. Yeah, like really, I mean, it's, that's, it's that's if, if I could call this issue anything, it's, it's you know... If the series doesn't come back, uh, if I could call this issue anything, it's just unfulfilled potential. It's look at what could have had a bunch of different stories spinning out of it that ultimately will never be because, I don't know, DC can't get their shit together. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, um, you know, I, I really did enjoy this issue, honestly. I feel like it was kind of weird to make it a dark crisis tie-in, kind of, but I feel like they did a good job with the emotional stuff and I just loved seeing the different reactions, and especially seeing Jackson console Mira. That was, that was just really warming to see. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just I don't know. It 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 just sucks. Like if this really is the end of the series, I just I feel like I would be done. Like unless you come back and you're like, yeah. Oh no, I was just gonna say unless you no, I was just gonna say unless you come back and you're like okay. No more, like, BS. We're not running any scams or schemes or flim-flams. Uh, we're not running any, any of that kind of stuff. This is going to be a genuine ongoing. Then, yes, I would be happy to come back. But just, like, don't do any of this, oh, well, it's an ongoing, but it's really six issues, and then we're going to relaunch in, you know, six months crap. Because it's, it's just utterly ridiculous. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm just like, if this really is the end, that's incredibly disappointing. If it's not... I would question why they would only make it a six-issue series, but I don't know. These these people are... Yeah. They're nuts. Um, the last point that I had, which made me do like a legitimate spit take, I couldn't believe I, I had read it, um, was a reference to um, the that young kid who's on like the bus who's looking at the tablet or whatever about the um, UN potentially having retaliation against Atlantis is consoled by, I assume, like, his older brother or whoever it is, and mentions, like, all the people who are defending Atlantis, you know, Aquaman and Manta and Jackson Hyde and Tula and Garth. And then he mentions Lorena Marquez, who, for those who are unfamiliar, was the Aqua Girl from, like, the, you know, like, 2000s Aquaman series or something. Well, I didn't even think existed anymore. Yeah, that that was, like... That was shocking. I was like, "Wait, what the fuck?" I had to, I had to read it again. I was like, "Wait a minute, this can't be right." Minute, I'm, I'm on. putting things here. Hold on, am give I me one my second. Timeline, am I getting my timelines mixed up, or is that where um, Aquaman had the super short hair and the white outfit? Uh, white I think that might be outfit. a different one. But he, I think okay. he had like the, he might have had like the. Um, the water hand because he'd had his hand cut off and then he had the hook and then he got like a water hand replacement. Um, All right, that was Not like too the much longer after that. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was a shock to see the character that I think pretty much no one remembers that there was an actual Aqua Girl that wasn't Tula at one point. So maybe she'll be coming back, but probably not since this series is coming back. Or is it? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but no, I I mean I I really did enjoy the series. I just. Again, it's just as dramatic as it sounds. It's just kind of heartbreaking to think that if this really is the end of the series, then you know this is probably all we'll get for Aquaman for a while. So, there you go. 
I'm looking at the press release that DC had on their website for the series back in January, and it still it's says ongoing. twice. Ongoing, yeah. Yep. Hasn't changed. I will hold them to that. Uh, is what it is. That damn president. Yeah, no, that's just, the cops gonna... this time. I assume, I assume someone's in trouble. <laughs> I assume somebody's in trouble. Yeah. <sighs> All right, well, we are going to call it a wrap on our spotlight section, hit that off button, and shift our attention over to our main reviews. But before we do, we're going to take a brief commercial break, so we will be right back. Stay tuned. Now, back to our program. And we're back, and we're going to kick it off with some very heady stuff, because if that break was not uh, satisfying for you, I think the best way to get back into the swing of things is with a deeply philosophical and, and metaphorical and, and uh, just very, very thoughtful book uh, is the best way to put it. And that is The Swamp Thing, number 15, our, our penultimate issue. Um, this it's like is beating you in by... the face with a log named Emotion. Oh yes, very much so. Um, and and really, though, this issue is uh, is officially titled um, uh, uh, Armageddon. It really should be called When Ideas Clash, Shit Goes Down. At least that's what I think. Um, but this is brought to us by our usual shit team, the fan. usual suspects. Yes, shit hit fan. Um, Ram V with art from Mike Perkins, colors from Mike Spicer, and letters from Aditya Bidikar. When last we left our heroes, uh, Levi, empowered with the uh, power of a Green Lantern, had made his way back to Earth, leading a charge of spores, and was now taking on the soldiers of the Parliament of Fears. He's still doing that, um, and while he's doing that, Trinity is looking on to him and is sort of wondering which side she should take in this, no, not you, Siri. Jesus, every time. I'm sorry. Um... Anyway, um, Trinity is wondering which role she should take in this eternal battle, and in an instant she decides that I guess humankind offers more for her than the disgusting and robotic Parliament of Gears. And in doing so, she has a brief moment where she connects with Levi, the two ideas collide, but rather than creating a mess, it creates a moment of empathy where all is, is, uh, all is both lost and won at the same time. Though the full extent of that is not fully understood until the rest of this issue. Uh, but Levi, overlooking the destruction, has sort of a, a moment of clarity where he's able to get to the heart of the Parliament of Gears, but not before he realizes that there's something else he needs to do, and that's make amends with Jacob for a very specific reason. One, because he knows that he needs Jacob uh, as his connection to the green as well as his mindset is particularly important in taking down the Parliament of Gears but also because he needs to confide something in Jacob. And that's that the message that his father had given him, the one that we've been hearing repeated constantly for the past couple issues, um, was not just because he didn't want the trees to be gone. It wasn't because he wanted you know, the, the green to, to exist um, immortally or, or anything like that. It was really to save Levi. And the reason for that is because he knew that a clash like this between the green and um, the, the Parliament of Gears, or, or the machines, was inevitable, especially given how much Levi had dedicated his life to Pilgrim Industries or Prescott Industries and, and uh, their commitment um, 
to working uh, with uh, industry and machines and everything. And he could see the yeah, path that Levi was heading down. We've been seeing yeah. that stuff with his dad since the very first issue of Ron V's Swamp Thing. Yes, and now we, we yeah. finally get the, the full picture. It's not just that he was trying to protect his homeland of Kaziranga. It was that he was trying to protect his son from going down the path of war. And now Levi, having this sense of clarity, is trying to impart that knowledge onto Jacob, which he does and has a really beautiful moment where they finally connect with the Green and seemingly recreate the Parliament of the Green. I wasn't entirely sure on that, but it, you get the impression that their effect on the Green has completely reshaped it into something a lot different. Uh, and in doing so, they're able to gain a stronghold on the Parliament of Gears um, right before uh, we meet with the Desert Walker, um, who has inhabited the body of, of Pilgrim and is acting as the avatar of the Parliament of Gears, who's sort of chiding Levi on his assault on the Parliament, at the heart of the Parliament, saying that they don't really respect him and see him as a fool, and recognize that he may think he has a chance, but he's already lost at this point. But Levi is sort of the one who is counteracting this, saying, you may have a chance at victory, there may be something for you to win here, but in actuality, you're not going to win anything, especially in a war of this scale, because by the time you achieve victory, everything will be lost. It'll just be a total apocalypse, right? There's no land left for you to claim after an eternal war between the Green and the Parliament of Gears. But he's not the only one who is going to make this final case, and that's when he brings in Trinity to make some kind of final remarks, which I have no idea what Trinity is going to say, but I'm very much looking forward to what kind of case she's going to make uh, for preserving humanity and ending the war between the Parliament of Gears and the Parliament of the Green. Um, or so, will, she, will, uh, she now, will she now side with the Parliament of Gears? Or will she side with them? Well, she seems to have sided with the humans, so my guess is Initially. she'll be on Levi's side. But who knows? It could be a very dramatic left turn. Um, if she did do that, it would give them extra reason to extend the series, but I don't think they're going to do that. Um, uh, that well, being you know said... humanity's luck yeah. with with nuclear fusion oh yeah yeah no but uh ho hopefully trinity's change of heart stays um we'll see uh but yeah no i i mean i i feel like this is um as a penultimate issue this definitely feels like it fits in with the rest of the series but i, I wonder what people's response is going to be to this because i don't know how you guys felt but it didn't feel like the you know the big like epic showdown between Levi and and uh, and um, the Parliament of Gears, and they're going to have like a huge, long, drawn out fight or anything. Like they do have a moment of conflict, and Levi's like, you know, I, I could press my um, my tendrils around your heart and decimate you in a second. Like there's definitely some violence that exists between the two, but it, it seems like the it's more a battle of ideas and 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 more a battle of, of thought versus a battle of, of fear, physical strength. Um, and I, I feel the like trials and tribulations that Levi himself is going to going. Exactly. Through. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and that's I, I feel, I like, feel that... like it's been about. I, exactly. I feel like this exactly. is called the swamp thing, but the book has been about Levi this entire time. Yeah. yeah. It really should be called Levi Kamei, the swamp thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I personally, that's why I really like this issue. Like, I feel like this fits exactly with what everything we've had from this series so far, but I can, I can understand why some might feel like, oh, they're just kind of sitting around talking about, you know, how they shouldn't end the world, which I, I feel like is kind of an undermine 
um, of, of what this issue actually is. It's really just, again, it's like you said, Josh, it's all these ideas coming to a head and, and uh, trying to come to terms with how to, to coexist or maybe not coexist, which I think those are all fascinating ideas. And I'm particularly interested, as I said, to see how Trinity plays into that argument. Um, but again, I, I know that some might feel disappointed by the lack of any grand spectacle, but I feel like the spectacle is in Levi's growth and how much he's changed over the course of the series, which you especially see in this issue. And the revelation in particular that Levi's father was trying to save him from the war, from this like eternal struggle that was going to come between machines and the green was just really enlightening, um, and I, I really dug that. So this one got a very special 9 out of 10 for me. I'm praying that this series sticks to the landing. I, I feel like it will, but I don't want to jinx it, so knock on wood, we'll see how it ends up. Mm-hmm. And the art from Mike Perkins is amazing. Like, come on, I don't even need to say that. Just look at the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is definitely fantastic artwork in, in this entire series, let alone just this issue. Um, I'm still thinking that, that yeah, there's one more to go. Just give us that announcement, please. Come on, another six issues. Let's go. Come on, I'm waiting. I know. <laughs> just, just I know. But me. I'm like, if we can't if we can't get an ongoing Aquaman series, what are the odds of this getting you know an extension? So, yeah, but I already got one, and it actually made it to ten issues. <laughs> That's true. That Aquaman true. got six. Wonder Girl got seven. Like, <laughs> Maybe the, the that was supposed to be like nine, time, right? He is. I, I, I think yeah, I think they they talked about nine, yeah. Um, yeah, they they'd like yeah, solicited the, the key is issue. just to have mini series and have that, yeah, and then if you have more story, just keep it going. Just do that. Yeah, that's the way to keep it going. Don't say ongoing because it'll get canceled. It's like Fox with DC right now. It's horrible. <sighs> Um, can't yeah. can't we just give Ram V like his make him the creative head of like the magic department? That's yes. what I've been saying. I'm like him and Dan Waters and maybe bring in Alex Packnadel for the full white noise crew, which is their studio in London, and just have them go nuts on all the magic stuff. Oh and and uh, and bring in Joe Hill. I still like that idea. I'm stealing that from you, Josh. Yeah. Um, no problem. I'm good with that, idea. Joe Hill. Hell yeah. I'm taking credit. And I also for think it. I think um, <laughs> uh, I think Stephanie Phillips, Vida Ayala, and Ram V would be a good team to help restructure the Wonderverse. And then I want to see Ram V and Brandon Thomas restructure the Aquaman verse. Yeah. Oh, you want so you want Ram V involved in everything? It seems. I want Ram V involved in everything. <laughs> He's, uh, it, it, the it, the themes he tries to push, he pushes through simply. He gets philosophical without without making people drown in it. Um, yeah. It's easy to catch the story that he's trying to tell without having to dig through the fucking words like you do with certain other <coughs> king <coughs> writers. Um, Whoa, and, subtle. Uh, <laughs> and... and um, I just I, th- I think he would be really good. Yes, I mean yeah. ab- absolutely that's unrealistic, but I just we're, I love we're the getting way this a dude writes. Yeah, we're getting a little taste of it with the Aquaman Andromeda. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's really good so far. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. Um, what Levi does with this power, what he's been get that he's been given, and the sacrifice 
that was made by another. Um, the poetic flow done in Swamp Thing's voice as this amazing story begins to come to a close. I mean, this was solid at issue one, and it has only continuously gotten better. I give this a 9.5 out of 10. Right on. Uh, 8.5 for me. This it had so many terrific moments. I didn't even realize at first how deep this book really is. Because uh, there was one moment where, where Swamp Thing was like, it's time to have a conversation with another parliament. And I'm like, oh shit, it's about to go down. But then he actually just <laughs> like, oh, That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's fantastic. I'm going to be sad to see this yeah. one go. Yeah, I know people have made this comparison before, but it's, it's very like uh, like Gaiman esque. Like you think you're gonna get the big epic spectacle, but it's really just like a very earnest conversation between two ideas, and that's about the best thing you can hope for with a, with a writer and a book like this. Hell yeah! Um, this this book is one issue away from making it. I thought about this extensively before, and I'm I'm trying to think if I should read. No, this this series is one issue away from making it my favorite favorite Swamp Thing run of all time. Whoa, that is that is high praise. There are some amazing Swamp Thing runs. There really uh, yeah, are. I know you know and that. That, that like yeah. almost has me shaky saying such such a strong yeah. thing. But it, <laughs> it depends on how good that next issue is, man. It'll be this for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think anything can beat uh, Alan Moore for me. That one will always hold a special place in my heart. I just, I mean, when, when I say I had my mind blown by the first time I read Love and Death, it was like, literally, it was like mm. unlike anything I had ever read. Um, and I went in thinking I was going to be like, all right, let's just get this out of the way. And, and, you know, two hours later, it was like, all right, let me just lay down for the next three hours and not talk to anyone. Um, but uh, I, I agree. This is a really special something. Um, it really, really is. You don't have to take the Alan Moore tr- acid trip in order to appreciate it. <laughs> that is true. I didn't take acid, but I certainly felt like I, I did at, at many points in that room. Yeah, you can't help. <laughs> All right. Well, is that it for the, uh, the Swamp thing? I believe it is. And hey, speaking of endings, let's talk about a book that's also ending soon. Kind of sad to say, but uh, I mean, it is fitting uh, because our next book is Robin, which weirdly enough also has its next or its last issue next month. So I'm going to pass that one over to Rob. I keep forgetting the seven. I keep thinking it's going to 18 issues, but 17. Crazy, right? Such an awkward number to end on. But, I guess it's technically me. 18 oh, if you three. count the annual, but yeah. Yeah. But there, was was there an issue zero? No. I don't know. Not, not this time. Well, there was the okay. like the backups they did in Batman and Detective, but that doesn't really count. Yeah. Say 17.5. We'll say 17. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so this, this is the another penultimate issue this week, Robin number 16. It was written by Joshua Williamson with pencils from Roger Cruz, inks from Norm Ratman, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Troy Pateri. So after Robin has a nightmare about Konami coding Respawn, 
he and Hawk go interrogate Lord Deathman, who they have chained up on the island in a cave, far away from everybody else. Despite the fact that he's far away from everybody else, uh, he is constantly being heard because he's constantly shouting about how Flatline has gone psycho and is trying to kill him. The pair have had enough of him whining, so after greeting new arrivals to the island, which includes Damien's cousin Mara from the League of Assassins and her team, they head off to find Deathman's hideouts and Flatline. The pair confirm various spots around the world and end up in Tokyo, where they run into Hiro, the Batman of Japan. And Hiro thinks they are there for another round of fighting from the tournament, uh, but they quickly explain why they are there and interrupt any fighting that's going to happen going forward. So Hiro knows where the last hideout of Lord Deathman is and takes them to an arcade and as they enter, they discuss uh, how awkward of a place this is. But out of nowhere, somebody I think it was Hawk, pushed a button and out pops what may or may not be a samuroid. Or at least what certainly looks like one. Uh, Hawk and Batman go... Uh, I think his official title is Batman of Japan. Uh, yes. That's going to get confusing, yeah. So uh, Hawk and Batman of Japan get ready to fight. Uh, but it's a quickly losing battle. Robin, using his detective skills, finds the off switch, which is conveniently on another arcade machine. Uh, but then a trapdoor opens underneath him, bringing him to the real hideout, where Flatline appears in a spiffy new costume, uh, but also not twisted yeah. and murderous like Lord Deathman has implied. The trio question why he would lie, but as Flatline says, Lazarus Island has a skull mountain. He wants control of it. And back on the island, while the inhabitants are having a party, Lord Deathman is freed by none other than Mother Soul as the two share a kiss. What the hell? That, that is... I'm glad I he's know getting there's some, other I ones. <laughs> I know there's other kisses in, in media, in movies, video games, comic books, whatever, that you see, you're like, how does that happen? How, how does that like physically work? But this one is easily the weirdest. Uh, Lord Deathman and Mother Soul. It's, 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 I did not see that. That's, that's definitely my, my OTP. Even tongue. My one true pairing. <laughs> that's your OTP. <laughs> yeah, that's my OTP. I, 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 I love Lord Deathman. I'm glad he's you know getting yeah. a, getting a, a fling. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Like all the power to him. I just yeah. You can't actually kiss, though, right? <laughs> I, I want to have that conversation yeah. for a second. It's uh, not physically. I, I imagine he and um, Director Bones have the the same problem, where if they're yeah, they, they going a, in for a kiss, it's just like yeah, oh, they got, I don't they know got a Sunday meet group once a month. Just discuss like <laughs> yeah, you you're still going through. It's it like having a skull head. That's ah, pretty bad, man. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I know what yeah. you mean gonna pop over to that other universe talk to ghost rider for a second see what he does yeah he shows up at the meeting in the dc universe with a set on yeah. fire and just wearing sunglasses yeah. <laughs> well, at least he can turn it off he's in disguise. At, at least like yeah at least at least johnny blaze and donny catch donny catch danny catch can uh can turn that off the rest of them are like stuck with it bobby reyes yeah Robbie Reyes too. Mm. Though honestly, when no Robbie Reyes first came that. on the scene, I always I thought his, his I, skull was like metallic. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many Ghost Riders, I, I can't even count them all. Yeah. Those are the uh, three that matter. Yeah. Realistically, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, but we're on DC still, so yes. this is still, to me, easily the best thing Williamson has written. <laughs> still. Um, Cruz and Ratmund also killing it with the art. Very well done throughout the issue, I, I, I feel. Um, I'm hoping the status quo here stays for a while, despite the fact that Batman vs. Robin is coming up. Uh, I, I like the fact that Damien has kind of made his own home, and he's, he's got almost a, a, a kinship with Hawk so far, with Connor Hawk, uh, as the de facto leaders of uh, Lazarus Island. I wonder if they're going to change that name going forward. Sanctuary. Uh, Lost Boys. Not a good name, yeah. I know. Not, yeah. Neverland? Sanctuary. <laughs> Yes, the both not, both. Yeah, I know. Not sanctuary. Right <laughs> yeah, not not sanctuary. What's wrong with Neverland? Oh, not, I, I didn't hear Neverland. I, I heard uh, Lost yeah. Boys. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah, how old is? I Damien? like it, but we know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think he's he's like maybe he's 14, fifteen right now. Yeah, fourteen. Right, and now last, he's in charge of his own island nation. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> he he's definitely grown into uh some maturity though yeah i feel he's he's definitely more mature than his mother and father at times so yes yeah um as for the the whole issue though some of it did feel rushed uh, but it was also very filled like there was a lot going on uh, so i kind of don't blame the rushing and there's also one issue to go, so they kind of have to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't speak volumes about the art still. I thought fantastic pairing, or trio rather, yeah, I guess, with the, the three of them. Cruz, Ratman, and Guerrero. Um, just, yeah, the, the, the art I, I love, and like I said, still the best thing Williamson's written. And I think it will, will forever be the best thing Williamson will ever write. Um, even beyond... Uh, deathbed as much as i enjoyed that book but yeah 8.5 for this I, one yeah I, I told you i reread deathbed recently and i was surprised at how much yeah. I, I still enjoyed that one yeah yeah it's like it's, it's a really fun story it's about really a, fun a billionaire that that yeah. is dying but you know <laughs> yes I, I think it was just like uh, again very minor but it's just i think it's just because the main character yeah antonio luna is just like he's so ridiculous but it was just it was so entertaining to read but um yeah, yeah i don't know surprised at how well that held up um but i i agree i mean i don't really have a ton to, to add my notes are kind of the same as yours i think the cruz ratman guerrero team is great um there I, I can definitely feel like this or i definitely feel like this story is a little rushed and i think that's just because they had to tie into shadow war and everything and that took out two issues of this so they really only had about three issues to wrap up the entire series so you can kind of tell that they just didn't have a ton of time um so we'll see how it all wraps up in the final issue next month, but um, I can kind of feel where it's you know just a little rushed. Like okay, we got to get to the end. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, I, I I wonder how things will play out with Lord Deathman and and his new bow. Uh, I, I hope they have a, a sweet romance together and do many evil things. Um, and uh, well, uh, uh. I guess we'll see. So I gave this one an eight out of ten. Um, the 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 
the story is good. The art's good. Lord Deathman is funny. Damien's grandma, I'm already fucking tired of. The two of them hooking up. Has me scratching my head. Um, He's a very charismatic man. And you can see right, but how she Mother's be soul has been charms. Mother's soul has been a, a singular resident on, on, on Lazarus Island for over a thousand years, right? So when the fuck were they hooking up? Because that ain't well, maybe no, they that ain't no nice letters to meet you to Tinder other. date. Yes. Maybe they were pen pals. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were pen pals. And, and uh, I was like, I can't wait to see you, my love. Let me just make sure I ev- think everyone is crazy. Everyone thinks that I'm crazy, and then I'll get sent over to you. And then I we can see each like, other Like you said, though, she, she's been on the island for like a thousand years. So when it finally came time and she, she got a taste of the real world, and she was really crabby. Somebody was like, "Honey, you just need to get boned." And she took it the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, yeah. It was like, well, I'm going to multitask. But yes. um, yeah, so it was. Everything was good. Um, I love Flatline's new costume. I think that was really good. Um, but really, this felt a, it was better than average. But I, I wasn't. I didn't have a great time with this one. I gave it a 7.75 out of 10. Fair enough. Uh, well, we've got speaking one more of issue things, with that, right? Yeah, speaking of things that uh, maybe you had more of a great time with, we'll transition to our next book, one that I think has been very highly anticipated, and that is Detective Comics 1062. From a glance, this might seem like any other issue of Detective Comics. But you would be wrong, because it is very much not that. Um, and if the cover is any indication, it's absolutely not that. Uh, this is Gotham Nocturne <laughs> Part 1, brought to us by Ram V. Hey, we just saw you, man. Um, with art from Raphael Albuquerque, colors from the incredible Dave Stewart, and letters from Ariana Mar, with one of the most evocative covers I've seen from anything in Detective Comics from Evan Cagle that I just had to point out. Evan Cagle is usually pretty great, but I think he just outdid himself with this cover. It is so wonderfully, um, you know, operatic in its uh, in its presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where to begin? Well, what better place than Gotham City at the opera, specifically La Arigia, a play that I don't think actually exists, but if it did it would probably have, uh, like, no one going to it, because I don't think people at Gotham City are going to the opera. They're going to the club. But this opera seems to be filled and packed with a wide audience, uh, and I think is a great way to open our issue, because it is a very uh, dramatic opening uh, featuring a man who is haunted by a monster mourning the loss of his loved one who is demanding that the demon answer for his sins and just is, is belligerent, is furious, demanding where can this demon be, which is a brilliant way to cut to our demon of the night in particular, Bruce Wayne standing over a Gotham, standing over Gotham, standing over a gargoyle overlooking Gotham in just the most dramatic fashion. Uh, Batman is staking out the dockyards, specifically the east side dockyards, looking for a smuggling operation and is able to make quick work of the people there before running into Bruno Moroni, who 
he believes is overseeing the operation, but as we quickly find out, this is not Bruno Moroni, or at least not the one that we've become accustomed to. He's monstrous and completely deformed and speaking some language that I can't even begin to guess what it might be. Uh, he makes pretty quick work of Bruce, who feels almost a certain fear involved in the process, something that's slowing him down, almost like he can't get control of himself. But thankfully, he's saved at the 11th hour by Talia, who shoots him in the head with a crossbow, not Bruce, um, the fake Bruno Maroni, uh, before making a flee, or before trying to flee and making a break for it. Um, and Bruce is able to catch her just in time, although she does sever the grappling line that he fires in her direction. Uh, they trade information for a little bit before Talia informs her that this is only the beginning and that something, some people, are making their way there. Bruce makes his way back to his brownstone at uh, an incredibly shockingly early time in the morning, though for me this is about the time that I go to sleep, so honestly it's not that bad. Um, he's checking his vitals, trying to figure out just what the hell happened and why he panicked for a moment there and uh, makes a call to his good and trusty friend Nightwing um, asking if he's seen any kind of strange or weird monsters um, around Bloodhaven, which he has not. Um, but Nightwing is giving him shit as is, his, <coughs> excuse me, as is expected, um, chiding him on the fact that maybe it's just old age catching up with him. But Bruce reassures him that if he has to come down there and spank some sense into his old ward, he will absolutely do that. Um, meanwhile, he's he also says, investigating. Don't make me come down there. That's yeah. exactly what he says. Um, but uh, he's also checking in on the mystery of a mysterious object that he took from the docks, a box that he's not exactly sure what it is. He's run scans of all kind on it uh, and found that there are very complex mechanics involved in it, but the box's age makes it strange that it would have such complex machinery. Uh, we cut to uh, a place called Coronis with the uh, Orgum family who are preparing to send away one of their own to Gotham City as they are making some kind of campaign for the city that we're not given full clarity as to what that is. Um, and in particular, uh, a man by the name of Arzen, who is uh, supposed to be intercepting a man named Gale, who we find was the one running the operation um, at the docks. Uh, and he, in particular, is very displeased with the gang uh, that he had employed for their failure to deliver the products, especially given that he'd already paid. Uh, it seems like Gale is one who wants his money's worth and he's gonna get it one way or another. Uh, and seeing as how the family didn't deliver and the supplies are not where they're supposed to be, he's going to take it out in blood, which he does. Um, Bruce Wayne, back at his brownstone, is having horrible nightmares of only the kind that a bat could have uh, and uh, in particular, something that uh, may catch the eye of those who have been reading uh, Batman stories in the last couple of years as he dreams of a demon with the name Barbatos. He wakes up in a cold sweat, finds out that the box has opened, and we find out that the box is a music box. Okay, before I get into the backup with Cy Spurrier and Danny, uh, man... Uh, whew, where to start? Um, it is. I've, I've heard Rom talk about his his run and, and preparation for it and all that stuff. And one of the things that he really stressed was that this was uh, an operatic book, 
it's fitting that the book is called Gotham Nocturne, the prelude, because it very much feels like a prelude to a greater um, saga, to a greater opera. Um, and this issue makes no secret of that in, in a lot of the thematic stuff that's going on. Uh, and it's great that we just talked about Swamp Thing and all the thematic philosophical stuff that works there, because it's very much at play here. Um, and I love that. I love that this is this is the follow-up to everything that we've had for like the past year with Arkham Tower and everything, because this this is like this is the best palate cleanser you could possibly ask for. Like, it's not. I don't want to say it's it's getting back to basics or anything, but this is like okay, something completely new and completely different. Let's just clear the board and start over and get you know going with something in a completely different direction, which I absolutely love. Um, and there's, it feels like there are a lot of different ideas at play here that I, I won't really get into detail on because I feel like we'll need more about them um, as the story develops. But uh, in yeah, particular, that's what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, there, there is an aspect it's be unraveling of, a spider web. Absolutely. There's an aspect of, of two things, really. There are two aspects of uh, this new, I guess, like crime family or religion the Orgum family um, that's introduced in this run that feels like almost religious or you get like a kind of a cultish vibe from them that are making their bid for Gotham City. And I'm wondering how exactly that's going to intersect with Bruce's story. But it reminded me a lot of some of the stuff that uh, Greg Rucka did with the uh, League of Assassins um, in his run on Detective Comics. Um, and I love that idea of like the this crime powerful Bible. family making a, a play for Gotham City. So that's that's part one. Part two, and this one is probably the more obvious one, a lot of the thematic stuff going on with Bruce, who's haunted by visions of a demon. I'm a sucker for that because it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's both horror-infused, but it feels really fitting for where Bruce is right now, especially given everything that's happened. Like, he's, he's haunted by this ethereal spirit that he can't quite catch. And I'm just wondering how all of that is going to unfold in future arcs. Um, so... If you can't tell, I, I mean, I was very, I was, I was nervous going into this because I, I obviously had a lot of expectations, you know, Romney and Raphael Albuquerque being such a dynamite team. But I feel like as a prelude, maybe it's not the greatest first issue, but as a prelude, it just sets the stage. Another opera reference, it sets the stage for things just so wonderfully that you, you almost can't help but, you know, uh, be excited for, for something like this. Like, even if everything isn't, crystal clear you get the feeling that this is going to be something really important um and my my final note was just um that uh, it feels like rombie's at this point where he's like all right now's the time where i'm just going to put out all the classics baby like swamp thing this you know aquaman andromeda like everything that i've ever wanted to say in any grand way i'm putting it out now and you get to experience it which is amazing so i um, feel like i'm he's very like, excited uh... I feel like I read somewhere a long time ago that he's always wanted to write for DC. And he just so yes, quickly yeah. got... He, he so quickly got himself to the position of being able to write for DC. And yeah, well, I think they really, really recognized well. his talent. Yeah, they really recognized so, his talent. And they were like, just go, man. Especially this yeah. last year. Like, just just be. Just do what you want so, to do. I, I'm I'm... <laughs> I'm actually worried he's gonna he's just gonna make his rounds like throughout the Justice League majors, like maybe seven, something yeah. along those lines, and then Rom V is gonna go total independent. 
Maybe we'll see. I mean, I think he's, me really he's, he's doing he's he's doing a beautiful <laughs> dance right now where he's he's doing you know creator own stuff, but he's also doing this. Um, and uh, I think it's just a, a perfect marriage of a lot of great stuff. So I'm with you, man. I would love to see him do the rounds of all the Justice League characters. I mean, imagine a Green Lantern core series from him. Not Green Lantern. I think Green Lantern core would be like so much better for him. Um, and I would love to see him have a turn on action or Superman. Like, just just go and and spread your your work across the universe uh, for as long as. You oh can. my God! Um, Could you imagine Ram V co-authoring a Green Lantern core book with Grant Morrison? Oh uh, God! You know my mind would just split oh. open and out. So let's not even let's not even entertain that idea because we're gonna be here for another hour. Um, but yes, yeah, you know I, I would, think I Rob just had a joygasm. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm still hoping that I love Grant yeah. Morrison too, but I also still don't like Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. That's true. <laughs> um, but I, I was, I was yeah. thinking, I, I'm still waiting for this to happen. Um, but I, I'm waiting for the the moment where DC realizes that uh, Rom V and Neil Gaiman are like brothers from another mother and they just they just need to be paired together and I don't know what the project will be but it will be something and it will be grand um, be so I'm giving this the entire issue Sandman universe absolutely absolutely so I'm giving this at least the main story um, a very very well deserved 9.5 out of 10 uh, I was just I mean very impressed as a prelude and I just can't wait to see how all of this unfolds but we're not done yet. We have one more backup before we close. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, I, I didn't even let you guys give your scores. What a dick I am. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. We we uh, Grant Morrison was brought up because the entire time I was reading this, I was thinking this this feels a lot like Batman R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, oh and- wait, no. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that was uh, damn it. I had one final point, which was um, uh, zombies like Batman reading- R.I.P. I'm so sorry. No, it wasn't that. It was surprisingly, it was another another British author. Um, no, I was going to say Ron V's clearly been reading his Peter Milligan because this felt like themes from Dark Knight, Dark City, both the Barbados stuff, but also just like the, the very uh, gothic, operatic inspired um, dialogue that's incorporated here that was in Dark Knight, Dark City, which I love. Okay, passing it back to you, Rob. Sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it definitely had the same feel. Uh, so far, with at least with the with the operatic sense with Batman R.A.P. because even that story, if I remember right, opened up with with an opera scene. I, I think even with a, a, a costumed bat on the stage, if I remember correctly. And we all know how how that story has gone down in in, in the ages because it's been fuck like fourteen years since that came out now. So this one, yeah. if if it's going to be on the same level, which it's Rom V, we, we can certainly assume it yeah. will be. It's going to be one to remember. It's going to have a, a place in everyone's bookshelves. Um, it's just a fantastic intro to his tech run. Um, yeah, my, my next point was the Gordon backup. I'll get to that after. Um, my biggest question right now uh, is the final few pages. Hmm. Is he making a, a, a callback to death metal with this between Barbados and, and music? being a call of some sorts which had a lot That's of what um, I signs of death metal yeah it certainly so seems i like thought it. Yeah. Um, yeah so so i thought it was because i i suspect that rom probably doesn't want to get into the weeds of all the snyder continuity 
But what I thought was it was the um, and and again, it's been a while since I've read this, so I, my my memory is kind of fading of it. But I thought it was like the original Barbados, which was the demon that they were trying to summon um, the the Thomas Wayne Cabal or whatever it was, um, and that was sort of something that was looming over the Wayne family for years um, that they kind of had to wrestle with. Um, so I think maybe maybe they're trying to get more to like the demonic aspect of it less than like the cosmic gods thing. I'm hoping that's the case because I feel like that's more fitting than, you know, cosmic madness. Uh, but I guess we'll see. Well, in, in Death Metal, he was still just, he wasn't a cosmic god. He was still just ancient demon, demigargon, whatever that fuck you want. Yeah. He well, was, was like acting on garbage. behalf of you know, perpetual. Yeah, he was just owned stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's like that's a little too high level. I think this is more like horror gothic inspired from more of a grounded perspective, uh, yeah. as much as supernatural entities can be grounded. I guess, but um, I'm hoping it kind of sticks to that. Oh, here's another question for you then, I, Brandon. I know you know Batman R.A.P. very well, and and Josh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how well you know that story, but I'll ask you the question too. What what was the story arc called? At least the opening story arc, or at least the the plot. What what was the uh, Doctor Death? I believe his name was. What what was his whole plan called? If you remember, Doctor Hurt. Um, Doctor Hurt. Yeah. Was it well, the plan? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, I know he's like had the yeah. Black glove what what he was trying to? What what he was basically trying? What was whole thing? Like if he had a title for the plan, it was La Danse Macabre. Oh, that's oh. right. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. And yes, in that yeah. music box, when it popped open, I don't know if you guys looked at it. The little figures oh, on wow. top. I didn't even catch that. Pictures a dance with death. No, I did not catch woman, that. Holy shit! It's a, a woman dancing with a skeleton. Good Damn. job, Eagle Eye. Jeez, <laughs> so, yeah. I think there's more Mr. to Grant MVP Morrison over here, here than we realize. <laughs> I know, my God. Oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And layers upon layers upon layers of Morrison shit. Yeah. So this next issue, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So 9.5, definitely. <laughs> um, so this, this, this shit, this is 100% Rom V. Um, 100% his style. I love the way he Well, you knew it was going to be that when it started with an opera. Like, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew that it was yeah. going to be that before I even opened the book. Yeah. It's yeah, Ron V. Too, he does yeah. have a particular writing style. But on the other hand, I've liked shit that other people, do, like a lot of people are not a fan of Blue and Green. A lot of people are not a fan. Oh, of no, people Blue love that book. It's just assholes like me that were kind of mixed on. No, I'm, everybody I'm like that I've talked to are like, no, I didn't really like it. Really? But I'm like, wow, I, yeah. I, no, I everyone I talked to shit. was like, yeah, they loved it. I was like, I wanted to love it, and I've read it twice, and it it, it just still something that... It, it was the same thing with uh, Many Deaths of Layla Star, but that's a whole other topic. It, Layla, Layla Star is another one I absolutely loved, and you didn't. Um yeah. But yeah, the art is full on great too. Fits what fits the theme of everything that's happening so very well, like a puzzle piece. Uh, the setup seems interesting, but Barbados uh, is, is Barbados is back for better or worse. Um, I for think the first it's time be in a long time. 
I hope so, but I, I, I have to go on what's in front of me. And um, I'm, I'm not completely sold. It's the first time in a long time, but I'm not completely sold on Ron V's opening issue. This is one of those where I'm going to have to wait and see what the next few issues are like and if we're going to have payoff. Um, it, this, this was a very, very dense book. There was a lot of um, almost hidden object. There, there's, there, there's, there's, it, there's so much poetry and and uh, symbology that runs through everything, whether it's the word of the scene. And this has the potential to be fucking amazing. Um, the idea of a tortured Bruce dealing with his age while also dealing with new bad guys is a welcome one. You guys know how much I want that. That's awesome. I just want to see it work. Um, this was a really good issue, but it's Rom V and it's Batman, so I have I have higher expectations. Um, and as far as the the as far as the backup goes, have we gotten to the backup yet? No. Yeah, but All uh, right. you can give your score for the main one at least. Uh the main one I'm I gave a seven point seven five. Oh wow. Yeah, I, I I walked Fair away enough. going, wow, did I just really think that? But I yeah. mean, yeah, it's like this. I I need it. I I within two issues, I'm gonna fall in love with it. I know I am. But <laughs> yeah. right it, it now, take, as what's time. in front of yeah. me, I can't. I can't say that this is great. I respect that. I I understand. Yeah, that that's, it, that's a know, fair point. If if it hasn't completely sold you. I'm not saying it has to. It may never sell you, but you know, um, if it takes a while to get there, that's you know, that's just how you feel. Um, but maybe this backup so you guys will got sell so you. So much Let faith in right, me eventually falling for Riley Rosmo, but <laughs> you have no. You're like, yeah, you might not like this ever, but who? who, 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 who uh, well, that's just because I, I, I'm. Chance. I'm I'm rooting for the underdog, okay? You know, that's like yeah, obviously right. we know you're gonna have that's the some, six foot some, underdog. Yeah, we, we know you're going to have some, some kind thoughts toward Rom V, but we're, we're rooting for the underdog, someone who we know you just straight up hate. Um, but anyway, maybe this one you won't hate quite as much. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yes, this is our Commissioner Gordon backup uh, brought to us by Mr. Simon Spurrier, who is joined by the incredible Danny with colors also from Dave Stewart and letters from Steve Wands. Jim Gordon is a damn good cop, but what exactly do good cops <laughs> do when the world seemingly has no more need of them? That's the central question of this, because as Jim has returned from his tour de force around the world, he realizes that no one really needs him anymore, which is kind of sad. He's not commissioner, he's not working at the GCPD, but he doesn't want to be retired because retirement is boring and he doesn't play golf and he doesn't want to just sit around on his ass watching, you know, reality television. So Jim is hitting the bars looking for some kind of purpose, uh, anything to fulfill his life. And that's when fulfillment walks through the door, literally, um, as one In of the bar, the that's old where cops. everybody goes for fulfillment. Of yeah. course, that's where <laughs> anyone, anyone who's anyone has ever gone to a bar to look for some kind of fulfillment. And fulfillment walks to the door, as I said, in the shape of a woman by the name of Anne Redding, who is joined by an old, uh, uh, well, let's not call him friend, let's call him colleague uh, from the GCPD named Detective Urquhart, who is uh, pawning off, let's say, 
uh, the, their old friend, their mutual friend, uh, Miss Ann Redding, uh, to Jim to give him some sense of purpose and divulges to Jim that her son has gone missing. He had been doing a little dealing on the side and maybe he wasn't the best, most upstanding citizen, but he was still her son and she wants him to track him down. Uh, and that's when she informs him at one of the locations that he had been frequenting, uh, along with other of the uh, dealers in Gotham City, was the abandoned husk of Arkham. Jim makes his way over there and is trying to figure out where a lot of these people had been and, and where they'd ended up, finds a cache of dead bodies uh, from nerve gas, just absolutely horrific, and is knocked nearly unconscious by a woman who is living in Arkham, uh, a woman whose name we do not have just yet, but we will soon find out. That's pretty much the backup. Um, I loved this backup, like way more than I thought I would. I mean, Simon Spurrier and, and Danny is a very enticing team, but I just wasn't really sure. I was feeling burned out from Joker, and I just I didn't know how much more of Jim Gordon I really needed in my life right now. Sounds mean. Jim's a great character, but I was kind of like, all right, we just had this whole 15-issue whatever. Like, what else could you possibly do with Jim at this moment? Turns out quite a lot because I'm I'm loving this this uh, I don't know if unfulfilled is the right word, but no, like it, when I opened up that back page, Brandon, and I saw it was a Jim Gordon story, I went, ah, oh, fuck, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, great, more of this. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised by this because I, I just the writing was so on point. The voice for Jim was so yep. authentic and, and humane, and I loved how much that he's connecting with. I mean, just a lot of different things in this. I mean, I, I just this whole book, it, it feels like such a tightly wrapped package. And I know you didn't necessarily love the Ron V story, but I love how well these backups flow together. But just how, I mean, seamless and, and wonderfully put together they were. Um, I mean, this is a Jim Gordon that feels like a, like a genuine character. And, and Simon Spurrier mm-hmm. is someone that I generally usually like, though there have been some uh, misses here or there. But I feel like this is just absolutely perfect. He just got right to the soul of Jim Gordon as a character, was able to show his humanity when he's connecting with the woman and Redding, but also kind of his like grizzled approach as he's, you know, he's, he's got a ton of baggage with Gotham and everyone else. Um, I loved the montage where everyone's just telling him what he should do and he's just not having any of it. Um, just, just so much great stuff here. And the artwork from Danny is wonderful, it's gritty. It's as as gloriously, um, you know, dark and sinister as it was in Arkham City and other projects that she's done. So it was just really well done and really polished and just exceptionally put together. Um, and, and like this whole book, just feels like the prelude to something that could be very special. So I gave the backup a very rare nine out of ten for me. I was just shocked at how much I loved the backup. And because I'm in a nice mood, I'll give the whole issue a nine point five. Should be a nine point two five, but hey, it's it's a, it's a good one for me. Like this was this is how you open something, right? This is this is how you start. Um, so I was very very uh, pleased with that. Right on, yeah. The, the the Gordon backup, it's it's a backup, so it's very minor, but it's honestly great to see because you know what my favorite part about this whole issue was it's the fact that both. Both the first part and the backup are actually fucking detective stories. They're actually yeah, mysteries. Right? In a book in called Detective Comics. Detective Comics. What? Yeah, it's actually called that. Say what? I, I know. Is that weird? 
Dude, and I'm telling you, it's such a foreign concept. But you know what that's, you know what that Simon Spurrier story reminded me of? What? How much I need him back writing a Constantine book. Well, that goes without saying. (laughs) I mean, we were one that since it ended. Uh, Oh my God. Yeah. No offense to you, Tom Taylor. I'm sure you never. I'm sure you didn't have much to do with it, but holy crap. I, I was going to say, he, he is but... doing a, I, I, I don't know if I posted this on Discord, but the, he's doing the a... grizzled detective. Yeah, he, he's doing a um, a Constantine-esque book over at, I think it's Boom Studios with the, the artist oh. from Walking Dead, Charlie Adler. Um, and I'm blanking on the name right now, but I'll, I'll send that to, to Discord if I haven't already, so... If you like Constantine and you like this, I think you'll like that, and I think you'll enjoy it when it comes out. Sweet. Yeah. I just want Constantine anyway, sorry, back Rob. in the We cut you off again. Universe. We're such assholes. Honestly, I, I, no, being no, so Canadian. Fine, I, I really just wanted to point out that there's actually a mystery in Detective Comics again, and I'm so fucking happy. Right. <laughs> I didn't have much to say about the Gordon backup besides the fact that it's a detective story, and I love that. It's Gordon doing what he does best. So, bring it on. Yeah, my score does not change. It's still a 9.5. 9.75 on a good day. Calling back to you again, Brandon. Holy shit, that's damn near yeah. a perfect issue. Damn near yeah, I gave this a 9.5. That's like shockingly high for me. Mysteries. Yeah. Uh, for the backup issue, I, for the backup story, um, Rice Spurrier, Constantine, please. Or, yeah, I need to find out what's going on with that Constantine like book because I will read the shit out of that. Um, as far as Danny goes, uh, Danny's always got that crazy art style. But this seemed to be a little different than normal. I'm not sure what it was that was Colors. different, but it was just it was an unusual way of her doing um, of them doing their their normal technique, like what we saw in Arkham Order Order of the World. Um, I felt looked looked a little different than what we got here. But in any case, um, I thought that shit was fantastic, and I gave the I would have give the backup a nine out of ten. The book is called "Damn Them All." All right on. Yes. Damn them all. Yes, as featuring a cult detective type character. So there you go. It's it's the closest we're gonna get right now. Um, Sweet. I'll take it. Uh, all right, well, rather than quit while we're on a high, let's go even higher. So high that we'll be in space with War World. That was terrible. With the Action Comics 1045, which I'm going to... Pa- oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Wait, no. Not yet. <laughs> no, I screwed it up. I wanted, I wanted to go from, from detective to action because I felt like it was fitting, but it's not. We have to stay on Earth for a little bit. Yeah, we have to stay on Earth for a little bit. And... Uh, yeah, and, uh, and and shoot over to our friend Deathstroke, who's uh, experiencing his life again right now. Uh, so I'm pass kids. that over to Josh. <laughs> uh, written by Ed Brism with art from Dexter Soy. Sound the trumpets. Um, colors from Veronica Gandini. Letters from Steve Wands. And a cover 
from Miguel Yanin, which was awesome. Everything uh, Yanin does is awesome. We see Slade leaving his family, his wife supportive, his young Grant, his young son Grant, not so much because he's sad because his dad is leaving. Understandable, he's a little kid. Anyway, he's leaving with uh, Wintergreen on a mission. Uh, he's tracking down the serum that he was given, buried under a government cover-up. Turns out he was one of 48 soldiers that underwent the procedure and survived. They uh, they stop at uh, an associate's house. I've seen this guy somewhere before. I just cannot remember his name for the life of me. But in any case, he's a... He's a Are costume designer. Say again? Is it, oh, was Isherwood? it Isherwood? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't remember what the, what the hell his name was. Um, and uh, that's when we get... Okay, so... Uh, they made some... They got their hands on some military-grade armor, made Deathstroke's first Deathstroke costume. Uh, at the moment, it has two eyes, but that's just... <laughs> That's just for now. <laughs> um, thing is that this isn't a mission like he told his family. It's his first contract, but it's okay because he can justify it to himself. He attacks, kills a whole mess of people, and was close to finishing them off until a smoke grenade is thrown and Green Arrow shows up. That Only was pretty much for the feds, dude. That's like sacrilege. Uh, you believe that shit? Right? If anything, he should be helping Destro. No, I'm kidding. Right, <laughs> he's Oliver. He he's he's sitting not in my city. Yeah, yeah. he should be you like know, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not working for. The, I'm not working for the man. I'm not working for the like, feds. I'm a chilled out Batman, dude. Yeah, I just I'm, want I'm my a rug. hippie Batman. <laughs> just a rug, man. Um. So. I will say that the art is seriously great in this. Um, Dexter Soy has amazing talent. I wasn't thrilled by the first issue of this arc. I thought it was okay, but it was unneeded. Um, I'm seeing this almost as fan service now because it's like getting into you know what what turned Deathstroke from from. Um, from SEAL team to to assassin, you know what I mean? Um, super assassin, really, yeah. Yeah, super assassin. And so I think that that's kind of cool. Um, it was it was a fun read, uh, read. It ran smoothly through its scenes, and it looks like it might be a good arc, hopefully. I like Ed Brisson, so I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. It is probably, ultimately, totally unneeded, but after the second issue, I'm going to say it's going to be a fun time reading it, regardless of how important it is. So I gave this an 8.25 out of 10. I gave this an 8 out of 10. Solid stuff so far. Um, I love the narration for Deathstroke. I feel like Brisson really gets... A handle on his character um, and does it uh -huh. very well. Um, the relationship between him and Wintergreen is always endearing. A very warped version of Batman and Alfred that Priest kind of uh, put on my my radar that first time. And, and every time I see them 
you know, interacting always reminds me of that, but just, you know, more violent, if you will. Um, yeah, more violent than Batman, I guess. Um, Deathstroke says the line, like Bart Simpson, my word is my bond. Bart Simpson doesn't say that line, but Deathstroke always does. Um, so I was <laughs> yeah. not surprised to see him. I mean, I would love to see Bart Simpson in a Deathstroke Thompson costume say, my word is my bond, but I don't think Matt Groening would appreciate that. Um, or maybe he would, I don't know. Um, and yeah, the art from, from Dexter Soy, also super well done. Um, and then finally, Ollie working for the feds feels weird. I imagine he's doing it just because like the Justice League told him to do it but I'm surprised he hasn't made a comment about how much he hates this job because he doesn't like working with the government. Eight out of ten. Yeah, I, I would like to yeah, see Deathstroke a... say, eat my shorts. I think that'd be... I, no, I would like too. But it yeah. might be a little bit out of character. <laughs> if, if next issue he just says that to Ollie, okay, book of the week, done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Ollie and Deathstroke just exchanged Bart Simpson quotes. Be <laughs> my shorts, Archer. I carumba. Yeah. yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. So that uh, that that final appearance on the the last page, one appearance. That's it's something you you really should have expected. But when you get to it, you're like, oh shit, I didn't see that coming. So I'm all for that. That's cool. We're also starred for Green Arrow content, so this is great. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the whole arc so far, I think, has been great. I know it's been two issues, but <laughs> it's been great. Between the story and the art, the art's been fantastic. Uh, I said before, I'll say it again, Mr. Brisson, you make good comics. Uh, 9 out of 10. I really yes, enjoyed this one. It sure does. Sick. Yeah. All right, now we can go so high, high into the sky that we'll be on War World. I'm sorry, I fucked it earlier, but we're, we're back on track. Uh, and, and speaking <laughs> of books that are very much on track... Action Comics 1045, our last book of the night. <laughs> I'm going to pass that over to Rob. Yes, sir. All right. So this is from writer Philip Kennedy Johnson with art from Will Conrad and Brent Peoples. Colors from Lee Lawfridge. Letters from Dave Sharp and a wonderful cover from Lucio Perillo. So Apollo, Light Ray, and Omac have been assimilated very Borg style into Mongols forces and are used to squash any resistance left on Warworld, a task that Olmec is not particularly happy with but reluctantly goes along with due to the fact that Light Ray is there and alive. Uh, Superman and Team, however, are trying to make their next plan. Natasha has an idea to take a Star Forge and not destroy it, but alter it into a different kind of sun, which would make all the Philosians on Warworld superpowered beings like Superman. Guys, can you hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. Can you hear us? Yeah, sorry. No, it's just something. There was like a crack in my audio, and then it just sounded really weird. Hmm. Like like something was missing. Like it got a lot quieter. I I don't know. Sorry, I just thought so maybe well, something it's happened. Good. It's yeah. motherfucking okay. Mongol. Yeah. <laughs> He's intercepting uh, your, your reception that's right now. It. Fucking Mongol. Right. Uh, Fuck you, Mongol. Go home. Shit, where did I end up? I, I mentioned a uh, different kind of sun, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Yes, yeah, so. The Philosians would be superpowered like Superman. Uh, and Krillux is determined that the fire of Olgren is the only way to end the conflict, but Clark does not think so. 
It's absolute power, and that means it can only corrupt absolutely. So he believes everyone has a point, though. So he asks Midnighter to go and bolster defenses while Natasha goes to Hotwire Star and Krillux, uh, who will guide uh, Clark to the Fire of Olgren so they can keep it out of the hands of Mongol and anyone else. Natasha, Orphan, and Leona arrive at the Star Forge and are met by a trap, unfortunately, uh, while Clark, Krillux, and the children that are in their care arrive at the Temple of Olgren. Inside is none other than Byla the Storyteller. As it turns out, he is something more, something old from the time of the first gods. His only task is to keep away those who would take Olgren's power for evil and aid instead aid the one who would redeem him in turn. Considering the one that would redeem Olgren may be Clark, Byla then transforms into a massive monster to begin what's known as the Trial of Olgren. So when I was getting to the end there, I thought for sure that uh, Byla was going to be the mystery character that Philip County Johnson kept teasing, but I guess well, we will see because it's really just a giant friggin' worm-like beast. It's really hard to tell what the hell was going on. Uh, mm -hmm. You can see things coming together, slowly coming to a head. Um, the art for this issue for me was not the best of the whole saga, but it's still really good. Um, so for the, the this first half, the story is still fantastic. I gave it an 8.5, um, maybe an 8.75, uh, depending on which side I look at more between the story or the art. Um, how many more issues are left in this? I think the... It comes two. to a head in September. Yeah, there's yeah. like there's like two yeah, more so. of just action comics, and then there's the War Worlds Apocalypse one shot. Right. Okay. So yeah, so it's gonna be interesting. Um, you want to do the backup now, or or you want to give your scores first? Uh, mine's pretty quick. It's pretty much yeah. just the same thing as yours. Um, the art is okay. I, I really prefer Federici. I think Will Conrad did a decent job, but I just really wasn't in love with some of the faces and stuff like that. But it works with the story, at least, and the story is still really engaging, which for me is what, what really makes the book. Um, so for that, I gave uh, the issue an 8.25, uh, and I, I had some theories about Byla, um, especially as it relates to like the fourth world stuff, like the Kirby stuff, but um, I feel like maybe we should wait until the next issue before we get into that. All right, Donald. Fair enough. So, um, did you score it? Yeah, I said 8.25. 8.25. Um, so I don't know if it's just me, but this felt like a, almost like a huge swing in the, um, theme or pacing of the story, something I'm not sure something just felt less or different um i'm wondering if it is the art like Robin mentioned it's not quite as good but something there was something that was off there see the thing about this run is that every issue has been fat fantastic i mean you get done reading it you put it down and you're like oh damn that was a really good issue so when there's an issue that comes across in front of you where you're like yeah that was pretty good that really pales in comparison to, oh, damn, what a fantastic issue. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, what a standard. When right? you're bad, it's like yeah. still really good. Exactly. Um, 
So I feel like this issue probably could have been a little bit better. I just don't know how. It just feels like it should have been. Um, so I gave the front part an 8 out of 10. Did we do the backups? Fair enough. Uh, yes, sir. What the hell was I going to say? Wow. I'm just stepping over my tongue tonight. I, I was going to say three things, and my mind couldn't figure out which one I was actually going to blurt out. So, right away. Well, we're coming up on yes, three hours, is... so I imagine we're all yeah. <laughs> We'll spend <laughs> this, my this is, uh This is the backup. Um, yeah, my tongue's gone to sleep. My mind is still awake. Yeah. Uh, so this is... Uh, better than the other without way. Clark Kent. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, you so don't want the, your tongue awake while your brain's asleep. That never yeah, adds up good. That's, that's yeah. just messy. It's just messy. Your nose messy. is messy. It can get you into trouble. You wake up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say a lot of stupid shit if you ain't there in charge of it. But anyway, okay. I'll yes. do, I'm done. All right. I'm done in <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is a world without Clark Kent. Uh, I believe was the title of the backup because I just wrote backup as the title instead of the actual title. Uh, so this is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by David Lapham. Colors from Trish Mulvihill and letters from Dave Sharp. Uh, very brief, Lois and John Henry are communicating with Natasha from War World about how the Genesis Fragment can be used to power the Philosians after they run a whole bunch of tests on uh, the uh, Philosian lady whose name escapes me. Uh, but before they can get too far into the details, they are interrupted by Kenny Braverman, Conduit himself, who puts up a fight to steal, uh, puts up a really good fight, and actually wins the day, uh, grabs the fragment, and flies off to take it back to the government. Lois then decides to make a call to John, Kara, Connor, and Keenan Kong uh, to get the family together, because Clark needs their help. Uh, with that ending, the next part is going to be so cool. I can't wait to see the... It's not the first time we've seen the, the entire Super Family get together, but every time we do, it's a treat. I love seeing all right. of them. Right, it's like, they, they, I mean, together. they get to circle a guy and then bitch slap him once. Make yes. sure he don't fall down. Ask yeah, him if yeah. he got the point and then bitch slap him again. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's super people they'll yeah. be they'll be a little bit more gentle than that you know they want to yeah. want to make sure that he can still feel his face tomorrow yeah well, it depends on how I, big i, I know you, you guys i'm imagining if they all worry. slap him his you know his skull is going to come <laughs> out of his head yeah that's uh, that's a whole uh, uh the fucking the boys kind of scenario right there. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's dead. No. Oops. Yeah, Homeland. I mean, Sorry. Yeah. If they can hold yeah, a glass of water, they can slap somebody in the face. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's a really yeah. good slap. Not Realistic too hard. hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know you guys, uh, last time you were mentioning, you, you didn't remember Kenny Braverman so much. Uh, but I think even with the four of them, Conduit might be able to put up a, a bit of a fight. I think he'd still lose with some brain power from the the super family, but he he could definitely give them a, give them what four for a bit. It's gonna be an interesting battle. We'll see what happens. Yeah. He's had some upgrades too. Yeah. Seems like everybody's had some I, upgrades. I think so. Yeah.
It's good shit, man. Um, mm-hmm. The backup I thought was really good. The the lines were a little thick for me in the art uh, in just a couple of places, but I uh, I did like it. It was it was it was better to get more of a story um, with this than like if it's going to be there. I'm glad I didn't get two pages. You know what I mean? Because then it's like. If if you're giving me like a page and a half, like a total of nine panels for a story, and I'm supposed to stay interested in it, let me tell you, buddy, you're gonna carry my attention about as much as a Garfield fucking comic strip. It's just not gonna be there. I'm gonna see you next week for sure, but I'm not gonna remember what the hell you wrote last week. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 better especially if it's going to be tied to the main story to have it bigger and i appreciate that it was and um it seems like it's going to actually be a big part of the story but i gave this uh, the whole issue had an eight across the top or across the board excuse me yeah no i gave this back up an eight just very solid um nothing nothing really i mean it'll be super exciting to see Super family team up again, um, especially now that you know Connor and Con Keenan are back in the scene. But uh, yeah, just just solid stuff there. So eight out of ten. Radio. Yeah. All right. Well, if we are all done with our main reviews, which sounds like we are, I don't have anything else left to say. We'll do a bit of a speed round as we get through our top three books of the week, our biggest stinker, and uh, I mean. I guess we'll see if there's any nominations for the dump list, but I don't anticipate anything there. So let's kick it off with our top three books, starting with you, Rob. What were your top three and a favorite moment? Sure thing. Uh, number three, I had Deathstroke, Inc. Number two, I had Detective Comics. And number one, I had Superman Space Age. That was, that was quite the 90-page ride. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, for favorite moments, at first I had Swamp Thing. Uh, saying he needs to go talk to the new parliament. So that, uh, that really felt like a Letterkenny moment, but then I read <laughs> Task Force C, and uh, Grundy kink-shaming Bloom to pieces takes it for me. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Josh, how about you? Um, with Brisson and Soy, oh, that almost sounds like a coffee drink. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we'll it, you know it's going story. to be Thank good, and and Deathstroke was pretty damn good. I gave that to number three. Space Age from Superman, Superman Space Age number two, absolutely, absolutely, positively loved it. And uh, number one goes the Swamp Thing. This was this was damn near a perfect issue, absolutely. Um, and now here in my. <laughs> Here under my favorite moments, I wrote, okay, let me preface this by saying that I have no clue as to why it's all of these, but it's everything Grundy and Bloom. Grundy (laughs) Grundy is Grundy is the most definitive statement of 2022. (laughs) Really don't Um, need anything more than that. Nope. nope, I don't think I don't think you need anything more than that. It's <laughs> it's deeply philosophical, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Grundy is yes. Grundy. Relax. It says so much <laughs> and so little at the same time, and that is yep. beautifully poetic. 
my other option was uh, where Bloom has Delia deli uh, uh, kidnapped and he calls her Amelia and then she calls him an idiot and then he says, no, I'm going to call you Amelia. That, that <laughs> shit made me laugh. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, this, this motherfucker you, is hilarious. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I couldn't pick between those two. So the, those are my favorite moments. Uh, well, for me, you, uh, at number three, uh, I had Aquaman. Uh, as bittersweet as it as it may be to say goodbye to this series, I did enjoy it quite a bit. At number two, I have the Swamp Thing. Excellent, excellent stuff. Can't wait to see how it wraps up. Uh, but at number one, should be no surprise for how much I just absolutely raved about it. Detective Comics. Uh, 1062 it takes the top spot for me. Just a fantastic, fantastic prelude uh, to what I'm hoping will be a truly stellar run. Um, but my favorite moment, it's going to sound like a broken record at this point, but I, I had to go with Mr. Blue and uh, Task Force. <laughs> specifically, Absolutely. Uh, uh, specifically something he says to Dr. Langstrom when he, he's basically like, I can't, you know, I can't help you here. I can't do anything. And his exact quote is, those are the most unexceptional last words I've ever heard. I give you one minute to come up with something else. Do better. And I, I like that legitimately made me laugh. Like I, I just I read that and I was like, God, oh God, this it just every line in this issue was just hilarious. Um, so yeah, that one that one did it for me. Um, but if we're all done laughing and smiling, it's time to feel my like answer. From now oh, on, man. when I read Bloom, I'm going to hear his voice as a really pissed off soccer mom. I, I definitely you have exactly one about. minute to fix this. Yeah. Do better. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it's that's a- applicable in pretty much every single scene in this issue. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, oh, my God. My that's God. how I'm reading it from now on. Yeah. Um, Bloom is a pissed yeah, off for- soccer mom. <laughs> if, we're, if we're all done with the last and the smiles. <laughs> We have to get into some shitty, shitty territory because it's time for the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Gentlemen, which title made your stink list this week? Okay. Well, DC Mac. Sorry, buddy. You made the stink (laughs) list this week. (laughs) Got the lowest score and it was just more questions than answers i know it's issue one but i mean like aesthetically whereas everything like it is a solid friggin week i think we can all agree on that yeah there, there, there's not many bad books this week i even enjoyed batman fortress more than dc mech this week issue yeah. one and two i couldn't stand issue three was uh was a little bit better yeah yeah, I mean, DC Mech is also my lowest score, but I don't even really feel like I hate it that much. It was it was yeah. solid enough that I was like, yeah, I kind of enjoy this. It was, as you said, it was a very, very solid week. I had some some real highs, um, which is, is nice for a change. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't even really complain. Like, DC Mech is the lowest, but it's not that bad. I can't believe that I like DC Mech more than the two of you. At least so far. I'm surprised. That's hilarious. <laughs> I am genuinely that, surprised. That is you liked DC Mech more than you liked Detective Comics, which is blowing my mind right now. I Oh my god, <laughs> I didn't even... Oh, that, was, that was rated higher. Damn, yeah, it was rated higher. Okay? You just must That's, be a big Mech know. guy. Little, yeah. I'm not. 
I like the Knicks, but I'm not a big, huge Knicks guy. A closet Ava fan. I knew it. That's a... <laughs> yeah. Um, but for my biggest stinker, what made my stink list, um, it felt loose. It was scattered and rushed, all, like, all at the same time. Um, I didn't hate it. We got everything we needed. There just could have been way more. And that's Aquaman. So I put that on this week's stink list because I wanted so much more out of this book. And from anything that I can find on the internet, I'm not getting anything more. So this was the yeah. end. And that disappoints me. Yeah, nothing we can do, I'm afraid. Well, it sounds like there, yeah, sounds like there are no nominations. <laughs> oh Lord, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, sounds like there are no nominations for the dump list this week. It's not from my end, and we're not reading Batman Fortress, so uh, I, I, I yeah. have nothing to say there. Uh, or at least I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, if uh, if that's it, uh, yeah. No, I, I didn't intend to, and I probably never will. Um, I will continue being to said, monitor the situation for you and all the rest of our readers, but trust me, it is misery getting through this book. I I, I could only I imagine. There was, some, uh, there was some fun Batman Lex Luthor moments, though. I'll give it that. Yes. Well, that, that is nice, but, but yeah, I don't know. Paled in comparison to Space Age's Batman Lex Luthor moments. That is true. All right, well, we have nothing else to add. We're all wrapped up for the night, so we are going to call it a night and go our separate ways. But uh, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, and we hope we'll, you'll stop by next week. Um, remember to go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcasts again, for a one-time donation or full subscription. Lots of great exclusive stuff that we think is worth checking out. It's definitely worth your time. But with that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot.